Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're going to be talking about the full moon lunar eclipse in the second decan of Scorpio. I hope that you're doing well out there today on this Friday afternoon in late April. Happy football Christmas if you celebrate <laughs> like I do. I'm deep in the football draft stuff in the last few days so forgive me if I uh, geek out a little bit on the Green Bay Packers today, but it's a, an exciting time of year. But today's focus will be on the full moon uh, lunar eclipse. We're going to go through some stories today. Uh, we're going to talk about the myth of Leto. We're going to talk about a fixed star named Zubin el Janubi. Uh, we are going to look at the condition of the eclipse uh, at the host with Mars hosting this eclipse. And then I will take you through the houses to see how your uh, personal rising sign will be affected by this eclipse and which houses and which topics of life to look out for. Um, we're also going to do an I Ching and an animal at the end as we are apt to do on this channel. So I hope that you are doing well out there today. Uh, that you are having a nice spring and that your Bardot period has been going well, the time in between eclipses, the time when things kind of get shaken up and um, new narratives are written. So I hope that the narrative that's being written for you is a positive one. So I'm going to welcome a few friends here. Uh, Rachel Fletcher is here from uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you. Happy Venus Day to you. Uh, Faye is here. Hello, Faye. Says, hey, Spencer, ready to see the last of the Scorpio eclipses. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, when we have eclipses in angular houses, it can be, it can be dicey. Uh, it can be challenging. Um, as a fellow fixed rising Leo here, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm won't be su super sad to see it uh, move over to a different house. But I'll explain that the angular house issue, having an eclipse in an angular versus a cadent or a succeeding house, um, those are fancy words for uh, whether the house that your eclipse is in is more affecting you personally, or if it's more affecting the things around you. Uh, Nanda Devi is here from Middle Tennessee. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, anyone good for Green Bay? <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think so. I, I, so, you know, if you give me two seconds here, just, just allow me this, then thank you, Nanda Devi, for um, <laughs> allowing me to express this. So the Green Bay Packers last night uh, picked a guy named Lucas Van Ness, who is a cancer son. If you are wondering, July 6, 2001, cancer son, most likely a Capricorn moon. He's just kind of this giant six foot five, 275 pound defensive end slash outside linebacker who um, plays like his hair is on fire. He was a hockey player. He's got huge hands and um, very fast, very athletic, but very young. So I'm, I'm excited about him. So yes, I, I think he that he's going to be a pretty good player. Uh, the Green Bay Packers did what the Packers always do, which is get their fans excited about picking a wide receiver. And uh, with Jackson Smith and the Jigba still on the board, who was the best consensus wide receiver and probably a perfect fit there for their offense. But then they ended up going a different direction, even with him on the board. So I've gotten used to that as a Green Bay Packers fan, being disappointed and not picking an offensive player. But we tend to do pretty good in round two. So. End of the uh, nerdy football talk. Although, if you want to hear more about the astrology of sports, 
there was an episode that just came out yesterday where I sat down with my friend Adam Alambas and, and Kip um, to talk about the NFL draft and the astrology associated with it. We talk about Aaron Rodgers and we recorded it before Aaron Rodgers was traded. So there's a little bit of uh, time that had elapsed in between that, but there's some really interesting things in there. We talked about the women's basketball tournament. We talked about the NFL draft, NFL free agency, um, looked at a lot of charts. It's a lot of fun. So check that out. That's on the Nightlight Astrology channel if you want to see that. Okay. But yes, two more days of draft football Christmas. Can you tell I'm wearing my football Christmas colors today? This is my like, I'm like a Christmas tree because honestly, friends, this is my favorite time of the year. I, I just, I love Taurus season. I love the NFL draft. I love the potential involved in it. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, Dippy is here. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, A's Creations. Hello. How are you? I am good, A. I, I had a nice night watching the draft with my daughter. Um, my daughter kind of zoomed in from college and we watched it together, which was a really nice thing that we've done the last couple years. Like we've watched the draft together and I was glad to be able to, to watch it with her again, even though she's off at school. So that was cool and filled, filled my heart up as a dad and uh, she humored me throughout a lot of it. Um, okay. So thank you friends for joining us today. Again, if you're just stopping in, um, let me know you're here in the comments. We're going to buckle in for a few hours again, as we do. Again, this channel is more of a, a slow burn where we are kind of easing our way into the transits. We're going to talk about astrology. We're going to learn some things. I, I think of these as mini classes and sort of mini like, um, I don't know if I like the word master class, but it's sort of like that where we're talking about technique in, in addition to how the transits might affect you. Um, and we talk about whatever. We talk about food. We talk about music. We talk about sports. It's a little bit of everything. You've got a Venus Gemini uh, as your host today, so we'll see what, what happens. I do want to talk about some music today as well. I've got a song that I want to um, read the lyrics to you about that I think reflects some of the energy of this eclipse, so we'll do that as well. Okay. Uh, if you can do me a huge favor, friends, before we dive into the astrology today, please, please, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. It really helps uh, get the algorithm pleased and get this message out to more people. Um, if you would like to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here today, uh, you can hit that little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. That helps me see any questions that you might have, and it's just a way to help support the show. really appreciate all of those every time that you uh, contribute during the, these um, sessions. And... Um, yeah, if you're listening to this after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. A couple other announcements before we dive in. The Decans of Taurus webinar that you will see a little preview of today is on sale for 20% off. Uh, I will also give you a little preview of the Decans of Scorpio uh, in relationship to where the moon is in this eclipse. Uh, that is also on, uh, it's not on sale, but it is for sale in on my website, spencermichaud.com, and you click on the store link and you can purchase that if you're curious about some of the things we talk about today and want a deep dive into those tarot associations, fixed stars, myths, all of those things. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I've got. My books are also open for May. So if you are needing some help through this eclipse season, because there will be changes, it's, it is eclipse season, so changes are coming fast and furious to us sometimes. Um, I'd be happy to be your guide through that, through meeting up with you in a, either a transit reading um, a mythos reading, which is when we're looking at your story um, throughout your entire life and how the themes of the myths might be working out for you. 
Um, or if you have a specific question, there's an, uh, a, a reading called an oracle reading where we can sit down and kind of unpack one specific challenge that you're having in your life. And I'd be happy to work with you on that. So those are the business announcements for the day. Uh, let's see. Looking through this chat again. Lynn says, hi, all finishing some work as I listen. It's a lovely day in Vermont. All right. Nice to see you, Lynn. Uh, and I think that you are listening to the astrology of sports too. So cheers. Uh, what what football team are, are Vermont folks a fan of out there? What is that? Is that kind of close to New York? Are you guys like Bills fans, Giants fans? What's going on out there? Let me know. Since we're in the middle of football Christmas, a.k.a. the NFL draft, if you are a football fan, and I know there's not always an overlap with this, so again, give me some grace for something I just really enjoy. If you are a football fan, I know my friend Julian out there, Arizona Cardinals did pretty well in the draft, I think, first day. Uh, just let me know who you root for and if you're excited about who your team is picking and the direction that they're going in because I always like chatting with all of you about that. Um, okay, so let's start diving into some astrology. Some big picture thoughts that I have about this full moon lunar eclipse. Ooh, Nanda Devi says she's a 49ers fan. <laughs> oh, man, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. And Lynn says, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're good. This is football. Football's on my brain today. Most people are Patriot fans here. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Patriot, Patriots are so annoying. But they've had a lot of success. And, um, you know, they got a great coach and uh, a great tradition over there. Um, so big picture thoughts on the eclipse. Um a full moon eclipse is usually one that happens near uh, one of the nodes. In this case, it is the south node. And the south node is related to a myth in Eastern astrology or Eastern philosophy um, or Eastern religious practices around a demon who had his head severed from his body. And the severed head that had tried to steal the elixir of life to become immortal, got some of it lodged in his throat, um, is the north node, which is called Rahu. And the south node is the severed body of the same demon or dragon, um, which is composting old things, releasing old things. And that is called K2. So this is a uh, an eclipse where the moon is close to K2. And we're going to be releasing things. So not only do we have an eclipse near the south node, we have an eclipse with the moon in Scorpio, which is not always the most comfortable place for the moon. Uh, it's in a sign that is related to release, related to compost, related to um, you know, deeply enmeshed emotional relationships. But for the specific purpose, I think, of distilling essence to be able to move on to a new form. So these are some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Um, how are we going to move on from some deeply enmeshed relationships that are very emotional, that may be somewhat codependent, that may be kind of toxic, where maybe there's someone or something or some habit in our life that is, you know, kind of uh, unhealthy, and we need to reduce our dependence upon it. doesn't mean that it, it has to necessarily die completely. But I think that we're looking for balance often at um, full moons in particular. So we're going to be trying to find balance on giving and receiving and how much energy exchange 
we are going to allow ourselves in certain situations. So those are some of the big picture kind of like emotional energies of this eclipse. Think about as well that we're in the middle of Taurus season and the second decan of Taurus where the sun is, 14 degrees of Taurus, is really about generosity and, and giving material benefits and things where we're either receiving benefits or, or generously giving things. And that second decan of Scorpio, it's opposite, is really there can be some energetic vampiric tendencies where we're either taking too much or giving too much. And how do we balance those things out? So those are some of my initial thoughts on the eclipse. Um, okay. I'm just kind of checking in on the chat here. I try, we'll try not to get too derailed with football discussion today, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Lynn is confirming the, the Patriots uh, stories. Lynn also says she has a soft spot for the Bills, having watched them lose four consecutive Super Bowls. I don't have any one favorite team except whoever's playing the Cowboys. Hey, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm not a, not a Cowboys fan. They're not America's team to me. Um, but I like the Bills, I, and I have a soft spot for the Bills too. I grew up watching them uh, get to the Super Bowl and not quite get over the hump, and they've got a really exciting young team with Josh Allen, and they picked a really good tight end if you're uh, keeping track. His name's Dalton Kincaid. And he's going to be, I think, a really good player. Okay. So a couple things, other things to think about with this eclipse. It's hosted by Mars. And Mars is, of course, the host of the sign of Scorpio. And Mars is in Cancer right now, which is a, a condition uh, of its fall. So it is in a place where it is not the most um, excited to be in. Um, just like the moon is in its fall in this eclipse. But what is interesting about this is that even though the moon and Mars are in houses or domiciles where they aren't super comfortable, the moon wants to create life. It wants to beget uh, growth. And it's in a place of death. It's in a place of um, conflict. Uh, moon wants to create peace. Moon wants to create comfort. And when it's a, in a place of conflict, it's a, it's a little bit challenging. And Mars wants to create conflict, and now it is being placed in the home of comfort, security, nurturing, and it's not super comfortable in that house. But they do have this secret condition, this special condition, I should say. It's called mutual reception. And Mars and the moon are exchanging houses. So Mars is in the house of the moon, and the moon is in the house of Mars. So despite they, those two planets being in places that they normally would feel uncomfortable, there is this circuit of exchange between them that might be leading to some kind of potential silver lining in this eclipse that will help us to get through some of the difficult challenges. Um, so we'll try to unpack that as we go along. I will say Mars is finally going to be back in bounds in this eclipse, which is exciting because Mars has been out of bounds for months, <laughs> like six months or something like that. So maybe we will start to release some of the anger or resentment or challenges that we've been experiencing over the last six months and kind of tie up some of those loose ends. I will say, though, that Venus will be out of bounds in this eclipse and is out of bounds at the moment and will be until uh, June the 1st. So our desires may be a little bit unorthodox during this period of time, and we have to watch our desire nature around this time. 
Um, the moon won't be out of bounds, so that's good news, although it will go out of bounds shortly after the eclipse. Okay. Checking in with the chat. Steven the Jupiterian is here. I believe Steven's from San Francisco. I wonder if Steven's a 49ers fan too. Nanda Devi. I like the Niners. I mean, there's a rivalry with the Packers for sure for the last few years because the Niners have kind of owned the Packers in the playoffs. So a little frustrated with that, but I always liked Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice, watching them grow up uh, when I was growing up and just their dominance. And that was a lot of fun. And they, they've got a really nice team out there. Um, they do think, I like Kyle Shanahan, the way he does things, their coach. <clears throat> Prudence is here. Hello, Prudence. Nice to see you, friend. Nanda Debbie says, I'm not having any fun with Mars and Cancer opposite my natal moon. I would imagine not. That is a, a difficult uh, relationship between Mars and the moon. Um, and Mars can create conflicts within the home. So you see that you've got Mars in the domestic space that we would look to for comfort. And it can create domestic challenges. Um, and the moon is going to be trying to seek comfort from crisis and conflict, which is <laughs> not the best way to seek seek comfort. Okay, so let's take a look at the chart. I'll actually first, yeah, we'll take a look at the chart first for briefly, and you'll just get a lay of the land, and then I'll show you some, uh, some of my slides. So here is our new moon solar eclipse in the second decan of Scorpio, and we are experiencing this in the Midwest of the United States at 1.34 p.m. on May the 5th, which is a Friday, Cinco de Mayo, I guess you could say. Um, and we have the sun in the second decan of Taurus, excuse me, 14 degrees Taurus, the moon opposite at 14 degrees of Scorpio. We have the, the Mars as the host, of the moon in a trine relationship to it. So that is another kind of good news is that the host is in a trine relationship. If Mars was in a square to the moon, that might be more difficult. Um, we also have the other malefic planet in a, in a trine relationship. So we're, we're not really seeing um, negative aspectual relationships from the malefics to the eclipse, which I always think is good news. On the flip side, we're not getting really any beneficial help from the benefics either. So I do think that there's kind of a almost a neutral energy as far as benefic and malefic influences. Um, and I think that there's there is going to be a little bit of struggle because of the condition of Mars and the Moon. Um, I think that there's going to be things that we need to let go of and release, and that's not always the easiest thing for human beings to do. But what I will say is that it is important in Taurus season to make room for the things that you want to nurture into fruition in, and to um, take care of to promote growth. So oftentimes we will have to get rid of the old growth from the previous year. Oftentimes gardeners will wait until the spring to get rid of the old like leaves or, or to mulch up the leaves or to... Uh, if there's like uh, grass from the old, uh, like tall grass, I'm thinking of like decorative grass, you'd leave that as a decoration over the winter 
and then you cut it back so it starts to grow again. And this is sort of, I think, the moment where we're going to be cutting things back in order to move forward with our growth process. So always think about this as a cycle. Um, oftentimes when we get very sad about losing something or grief, it is a lot of it is because we don't have faith in the future to provide um, healthy things or that we are mourning the loss of something we are very attached to, which I do think that there is room for mourning. I think mourning is important. I think grief is important. I think being able to let go is important. Uh, but we have to balance that with faith in the process, the natural process to continue the cycle, the life cycle, uh, the life and death cycle. So this is one of the themes we're seeing with this um, eclipse over the, the Taurus and Scorpio axis is the, the growth versus decay cycle. Um, I love all the football talk. Sorry to intersperse it if you're not a football fan, but Steven says, I believe that many will find the key they need to get past the Five of Pentacles moment. 49ers are okay. I'm in uh, native New Yorker. Go Giants and Jets. Oh boy, Steven. Well, we can have some talks about the Jets and Packers just pulled off a big trade for Aaron Rodgers and how that might turn out. So it's interesting. Uh, Nanda Devi says, my beloved is a diehard Raiders fan with Garoppolo going to New York. I tell him they're a little 49er now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the Raiders. What an interesting franchise they are. Um, it's interesting to me. Oakland's really had a tough time over the last few years. They lost the Raiders, and now I believe the A's, the Oakland A's, are their beloved baseball franchise is uh, on their way to Las Vegas as well. So uh, interesting times for the San Francisco, Oakland folks out there. And um, yeah, I'd be curious to see how that all turns out. Okay, so... We've got a, an eclipse with Moon and Mars in its fall. Uh, Venus is out of bounds in Gemini. So Venus is the host of the sun. So the, the collective spotlight is on how we may give to one another. But there may be some choices that have to be made. With Venus in the third decan of Gemini, we are trying to figure out what what is enough and what choices do we have to make so that we can let go of one imagined pathways to infuse life into our highest priorities. There's a sacrifice that needs to be made in the third decan of Gemini. We may feel like we're overthinking things or we're trying to keep too many plates spinning. I think that this is a moment too where Venus is asking us, okay, you've explored a little bit with Venus and Gemini. Maybe you've even looked outside the box completely with Venus out of bounds. Now it's time to choose. Now it's time to make a sacrifice so that your most important priority can, can really grow uh, and be nurtured into maturity. And, and shortly after this eclipse, Venus is going to move into Cancer to start smoothing out some of the domestic challenges that we've been going through, which I think is a really positive, uh, going to be a really positive shift. Okay. Um, let's see, anything else I'm thinking about just with this chart initially? And we'll, we're going to, like I said, we're going to unpack this chart pretty intensely over the course of the next few hours. Uh, but those are some of my initial thoughts. Um, Mars and Cancer 3 brings us sometimes challenges of craving luxuries that are beyond our means. That Deccan has a specific 
energy of scarcity versus luxury. So an awareness that giving to either ourselves or to others excessively will take away from something else that we want to put energy into. Um, it may also lead to some feelings of mm, ennui or boredom, like where we want to get moving, but we have this feeling of like, oh, this, this just isn't bringing me satisfaction, this divine discontent. Um, and we'll talk about some of the fixed stars, especially the fixed star that the moon is on here, Zubin el Janubi, which is the southern pan of the constellation Libra, which was previously the claws of the scorpion. So I think that there's some, some fun things to unpack with that. Uh, that fixed star really has a lot of themes of maybe giving too much and not receiving the right type of uh, energy in return. So we'll, I think that's another thing to consider. Okay, okay. Let's see. I'm just looking through. I mean, every few minutes here, I'll look through the chat and see what we've got going on here. Uh, Stephen agree, agrees that Mars and Cancer has been very emotional for this Cancer on the eighth house. Yeah. Yeah. It, and you're right, Stephen. Mars will move out of Cancer finally on May 20th into Leo, which is a probably a welcome change for many. Silent Murmur is here saying, you're wearing my favorite green jacket. Oh, well, thank you. We're back on we're back on the Friday schedule here today. So we're honoring our Lady Venus with uh, the green the green hoodie today. <clears throat> okay. So what I'm gonna do next is I am going to stop my share and I'm going to start with sharing Torah seconds first just so you can kind of get a quick quick idea of where the sun is. So this is the second decan of Taurus, and this is from my Decans of Taurus webinar, um, which is a three-hour webinar where we go over uh, tarot, fixed stars, mythology, all of it. Um, and this decan, again, we've talked about this in previous live streams. If you want a, a deep dive into this, I went into Taurus to specifically in the astrology of May. So one of the last live streams I did, if you want to get some more information on that. But quickly here, the, the themes are generosity, altruism, establishing a consistent rhythm. That's important because the spirit or daimon in this decan, which you can find in a fragmentary Hellenistic work called the 36 Heirs of the Zodiac, um, speak to the horai, which were the, the like the goddesses of the seasons. So consistent rhythms are important in this decan. Now, Uranus is in this decan right now, shaking up our rhythms. So this is another thing we have to consider is this eclipse is sort of close to Uranus as well. So our, our rhythms are being shaken up and we may have to let go of some bad habits to establish some new healthy rit rhythms that the Uranus is asking us to do. Uh, so procreative unions. This is this is the point in the springtime where we've done the hard work of clearing the fields. We've, we've broken up the soil in, in Taurus 1, and now the fields are ripe for planting. So you've got to find, you've got to plant at the right moment. You've got to nurture the things that are important to you by consistently showing up and putting effort into it, but not too much, right? Like that's the thing about Taurus is you're trying to balance out work and play. Uh, you're trying to balance out doing too much versus allowing nature to take its course. So these are all the things that we're getting, you know, 
magnetized to with the sun in Taurus too. So slow and steady wins the race here. Slow, steady, consistent energy. Uh, it is really about finding inner peace as well. This is I've have been having conversations with my people in my family, friends, clients about how do you establish uh, an, a a peaceful center around this period of time. And if you have prominent Taurus placements, especially if you have the the, the uh, nodal axis in Taurus and Scorpio, oftentimes people with a Taurus North Node, where the Taurus North Node is right now, but if you have this in your natal chart, it's important for you to increase maybe some self-reliance, to increase your ability to just relax a little bit and find that calm center within and release crisis consciousness. This is, I think this is really part of this eclipse here is how do we get out of just feeling anxiety, uh, you know, bracing ourselves for the next crisis, perpetuating family traumas or generational traumas is a, a challenge of Scorpio too. And with the South node there, how do we start to release our attachment to having to continue that story. And I'll, I'll talk about that when we talk about Scorpio 2 and the story of Leto, because that, that story and that myth in particular is important for uh, showing us the consequences of trying to perpetuate and release generational trauma. So questions you ask yourself with the sun in Taurus 2, what seeds are you sowing? What routines will support your growth? Can you work with the natural cycles to create fertility? What virtues are practiced over time that will lead to success? What tangible achievements have you manifested and how can you share your abundance? Okay, so this is one part of our story and our equation. So now let's pull up um, Scorpio decans. Okay, so this is the energy that we're balancing with the moon now. So here is the decans of Scorpio, and you can see that now we're dealing with the six of cups instead of the six of pentacles. And this card is, it's interesting to me because T. Susan Chang, who I really respect and love, uh, her book, 36 Secrets, she talks about this card specifically as one of um, nostalgia, the golden hour. Think of it as the setting sun. It is a solar decan. So we have a lunar decan with Taurus II. Okay? That's, that's the ruler of that face or that 10 degree section. And here we have a, a Scorpio decan rule, ruled by the sun. So we're always shining the light of awareness on something when we have a, a solar decan. Here we're having an awareness of memories. And those memories can be um, of the good things in life or they can be of challenging things in life. Nostalgia, she describes in her book, roughly translates into with two, two Greek root words to the pain of return. So even if we have a positive memory, it may be painful, like a mixture, a mixture of, of pleasure and pain when we're going back and, and revisiting some of those things. So this eclipse may also be about revisiting uh, our family histories, positive memories, interesting relationships, but not permanently. Just as the sun is setting at the golden hour, it will soon set. So whatever is coming up for you at this eclipse, it is a, it is a setting sun. It is a time to appreciate how beautiful everything is in that moment, but not get attached to it 
as, as a permanent condition. You glean the essence out of it, right? This is really what Austin Kopic talks about in his book, 36 Faces, sorry, 36 Faces, is how do we um, come together in deeply enmeshed emotional relationships to distill and combine our essences and are those exchanges, those circuits of exchange, are they healthy? Are we coming together with people that are making us better through that exchange and through that union? Or are they toxic? Are we exchanging poisons? Are we in relationships or, or habits or situations that by becoming deeply enmeshed in them, we may be uh, not manifesting our, our best or higher self? This is very true in a lot of relationships. Not every relationship brings out the best in you. In fact, some relationships bring out the worst in you. And, and we have to be strong enough to recognize that and to eventually move on from them so that we can and learn something from them so that the, the next relationship that we have is more healthy. Okay. Um, looking at the chat. Let me see here. Plenty of, Illis J is here. Welcome, friend. Plenty of garden cleaning on the docket for the next week or so. Me too. I, I'll tell you, I've been working pretty hard on my garden, but mostly it's been clearing out old sticks and vines and poison ivy. I'm trying to get rid of the poison things in there. And um, I've been working so hard. I'd really, I haven't really been taking my own advice. Um, I've been, I get really obsessed with it when I get out there. When I get started, it's hard for me to stop. I've been having really sore shoulder after. I have some shoulder injuries from from some old baseball injuries and um, you know holding a chainsaw for four hours in a row and bending over and picking up things and digging uh, can create some inflammation in that area of your body so I, I've been taking a break the last day or so so remembering when to rest if your body is telling you um, to rest around this period of time it, it's good to listen to it um Illis J says, de facto Dallas Cowboy fan here, but you know me, it's all about the fashion and the gear. <laughs> yeah, Illis J's probably got a, a capsule wardrobe of, of uh, Cowboys <laughs> gear. <laughs> like, oh boy, the Cowboys. What did the Cowboys do yesterday? I, I think they were in the market for a tight end, but they, I, I'm not, I can't even remember who they took. I know the, I can't remember who the 49ers took either. But if you if you know who your team took, put it in the put it in the chat here, and I'll I'll comment on them because I, I do a lot of draft work, uh, research. Um, KP twelve thirty one is here from Cleveland. Hello, friend and Browns fan. Um, who did you get? I don't even know if you have any draft picks anymore. If you're a Browns fan, because I think you traded all your draft picks for like the next decade for Deshaun Watson, <laughs> quarterback. Um, Silent Murmur says the leaves are finally returning to the trees outside of my windows. Okay, nice. Yes. It, then things, spring is really getting into full swing here, even though the weather's been a little bit um, up and down in the Midwest, as it usually is. But yes, there's lots of flowering trees, lots of leaves coming out. It's really a beautiful time of year that I, I enjoy. Prudence K says Pluto at 16 degrees Scorpio, 6th house, and Mercury at 16 Taurus, 12th house feeling this very much. Oh, yeah. Well, Prudence, you're going to have this uh, hitting a few of your natal placements. So we'll try to unpack that for you when we get to the the eclipse through the houses and, and help you with some of those themes. Uh, e Chandrika Galbachs. Galbachs? Sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Welcome. This is a new name. 
says, hello, Spencer, for tuning in from Oregon, Hungarian by birth. Wow. All right. Welcome, friend. I love your voice, your knowledge, and your style of delivery. Listening to you, I fall into a state of calm receptivity. Much gratitude. Well, that's a nice comment, friend. Uh, I am glad that you're here with us today, and I'm glad that uh, I'm helping to bring a little bit of peace into your world. So um, welcome. Uh, Silent Murmur is telling us to be sure to wear my long gloves to avoid strep soil bacteria. <laughs> that's, that's good advice, especially around this uh, eclipse. You always got to have your gear. Okay, so back to Scorpio 2. And keep these comments coming. Do me a favor, friends. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to my newsletter if you haven't already. That's a great way to find out when I'm going live again. Sometimes I kind of am late to promote these things just because I get busy with client work and, and research and other things. Um, and sometimes I won't promote it until a day or two beforehand. That's a great way to keep in touch with uh, when I'm going to go live again. So let's ask ourselves some questions about Scorpio 2 and, and the moon here. So themes of distillation, emotional intimacy, nostalgia, shining light on the darkness. Okay, well, we'll talk about Leto here in a second, the themes of light and darkness the golden hour, a chemical transformation. So when we're mutually dis distilling, distilling something, we have a combination of energies that are changing one another. So we have all sorts of relationships and situations in our life that do change us. And if we let, let things change us, that's important to do. Um, but we also have to have healthy boundaries as well. And I think that there will be themes of how, how do we establish healthy boundaries here. Uh, questions. Is this combination healthy or toxic? So that's very important to ask yourself because the, the theme of this eclipse is totally asking you to reduce your, inter, your, your codependent relationships and to really only let remain the things that are healthy, the deeply enmeshed relationships that are healthy. Uh, is giving and receiving balanced? Remember we talked about Taurus too as, as being a theme of, of generosity. But we can overgive and we can overtake. So we have to ask ourselves if we're like the the energy vampire or not as well. We can we all fall into those tendencies sometimes, and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Sometimes we just we have our own traumas that 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 create bad habits or habits that we would like to work on. Um, so if you ha have fallen into those habits due to some of your own generational trauma, it's okay. It's just it's becoming aware of it and trying to transform it and move forward is important. So how can you distill experience back into essence? The ultimate goal of Scorpio, in my opinion, is to uh, come back together and defend, it, it is defending the dying life force. That's what Mars and Scorpio is all about, defending the dying life force. And we are revisiting a lot of habits, old relationships, and we are separating from a body in Scorpio. All of life has some kind of spiritual essence or energetic essence. And in Scorpio season, that energy separates from the physical form and returns back to pure, undifferentiated energy, essence, potential, whatever you want to call it. And then in Sagittarius season, we're searching for a new body. We're searching for a new goal. We're, we have this liberated energy. So Scorpio's process is one of liberation. If you have lived a Scorpionic life, that transformation that you've gone through multiple times in your life 
is a liberation. And if you see it that way, rather than uh, fo focusing exclusively on the loss, it is a it, it can help you appreciate and have faith in life. This is why we associate sometimes Scorpio with faith, because we have to have faith that that essence will find a new form. Okay, how can you, um, what wants to be born under duress? Scorpio is also a, a, a crisis sign. Um, Scorpio placements can seem calm on the surface, but underneath there's like a whirlpool of emotions. There is a almost a volcanic energy to this sign. And they are very good in crisis situations. Um, and they may find themselves in, in intense crisis situations. So you may find yourself in facing an emotional crisis around this full moon eclipse. But again, it's important for you to maintain your emotional center while you move through it and maybe even release our attachment to it. Sometimes when we grow up with, with drama and crisis, it's easy to try to recreate that in our life because it's familiar. We always want to create our, the familiar things of our childhood. And if you had a really kind of toxic or challenging childhood, it's very easy to repeat those patterns. So we're going to ask ourselves, how can we change that narrative? How do we release those old patterns? How do we release the addiction to, to dramatic situations, crisis consciousness, intensity? Oftentimes, if you grow up with, with trauma, you'll feel yourself easily bored in situations that are actually pretty nice and peaceful. And, and sometimes through our own actions, we can create, we can perpetuate crisis because we just have never been taught what it's like to be peaceful, what, what it's like to have a, just a calm energy. We, we misinterpret uh, peaceful for boring. I did this when I was younger. I, I didn't appreciate when things were just chill. And sometimes I had to stir things up. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel familiar. And I think that's a really important insight to, to take with you in this eclipse. Um, so finally, are you holding on to the past? Many tarot uh, aficionados associate this card with memory, nostalgia, uh, holding on to the past. Sometimes our past can be informative. It's okay to visit your, revisit your past every once in a while to learn something, but we don't want to get stuck there. We don't want to get stuck in the old form. We don't want to get stuck in the old memory, uh, especially if it's interfering with our experience of living in the present. Because we can miss out on a lot of wonderful things in the present if we're constantly revisiting the past and getting stuck in those old narratives. And then finally, are the memories bringing you pleasure or pain? We talked about this with nostalgia, the pain of return. I, as a cancer, as a cancer son, I enjoy memories. I, I have a whole attic full of stuff from my childhood that is really difficult for me to get rid of because every time I touch it, it just transports me into a different space. And I, I actually enjoy that on some level. Um, but how do we figure out when those memories are healthy or when, and when they're not? Um, it's okay to revisit some things every once in a while. But if, if that revisiting is stopping you from appreciating your present moment, that's when it starts to become toxic and it's interfering with the life that you're living right now. Uh, like I, I just, I did this the other day, like I went on a little memory lane trip. This is, I think it's a really interesting story that, that incorporates kind of um, some parts of what we've been talking about today with sports and memory and astrology. Um, I, I think I pulled this card as one of my daily uh, tarot cards. I pull two cards. I, call, I pull a card of the day and then like a personal card, just how to work with that energy. And I think I, I pulled the, the six of cups and 
it, it triggered me wanting to go see what the the city rockford illinois that i grew up in from age about age six well no i i think i was around five years old and um when i moved to rockford illinois and i was there until about age 14. and i i lived in this place that in this apartment with my dad um that was in the middle of a cornfield and i was like i, I wonder what it looks like now i wonder if it's all developed or something like that just I was revisiting it via Google Google Maps, and so to my surprise, it it was still in the middle of a cornfield. They hadn't developed it, uh, and I it, that took me on a journey of like looking at some important places that I visited in Rockford, Illinois, like the ice arena that I played hockey at, the the elementary school that I went to, the middle school, and, and just kind of getting a visual on it to to see what it would spark. And um, there is an elementary school that I went to called Bayer Elementary. I believe it's now called Bayer Early Childhood Center that I went to for like a year and a half or something. And I was noticing that there was a, a, a big baseball field right next to the elementary school. And I zoomed in on that. And I was like, that's interesting, like because it was a landmark on Google Maps. And uh, it ended up being the stadium that hosted the Rockford Peaches. So if you're familiar with the Rockford Peaches, that is the baseball team from the movie A League of Their Own, which was a, a women's baseball team um, in a league that was formed during, uh, I believe, during the, uh, the height or the end of World War II, when a lot of the, the men had been sent away to, to war. And it was a, a really interesting league. You could see that story in A League of Their Own. But I went to uh, elementary school right next to this field. And what was funny to me is that this was before the movie came out. The movie came out in 1992, and I believe I was going to that school, you know, in 1989 or 1990. So it would just been a crumbling, you know, structure. But um, I think that that fits because the song that kept popping into my mind was Madonna's This Used to Be My Playground from that movie. This used to be my childhood dream. This is a very six of cups energy to me. And I literally probably went out and played on that playground. That was a very famous playground, which is, which is interesting. Uh, yeah. And Steven's saying there's no crying in baseball, right? Which is the, one of the famous lines from a league of their own from Tom Hanks, their manager. I love that movie. I, lo I love the, the nostalgia of it. I love baseball. Um, I love just, you know, the, the emotional relationships, um, I love the music that was in that in that movie as well. So I think that we may be revisiting some of our old memories, playgrounds, our old haunts to maybe learn something from it, but not to get stuck within it. Uh, Eilish, thank you so much for the super sticker, friend. I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for the, the cup of coffee there, uh, friend. So yeah, if you want to donate to the work that I'm doing here, it's a little do dollar sign in the chat. It's called super sticker or super chat. And I very much appreciate that. Um, Beth says, uh, Beth is here. Hello, Beth Cummings. How are you doing? Um, not really a Bengals fan, but I do like Joe Burrow. You and my daughter, uh, Beth. <laughs> we always, we always laugh that Joe Burrow looks like what Macaulay Culkin should have turned into as a child. Like he's like the adult version of Macaulay Culkin. If he didn't, if Macaulay Culkin didn't turn out really weird. <laughs> uh, greetings from Bengal land in the middle Midwest. Um, just got T. Susan Chang's book from the library. Thanks for mentioning it on your show. Yeah, it's a great book. Great book. And honestly, the Bengals, Bengals are an exciting team. So, you know, 
you probably have fun uh, looking at what they're doing. Okay. Um, okay, so does that give you uh, kind of some insights, friends, into Scorpio 2 and where the eclipse is going to be happening? Now, the next thing I wanted to kind of show you is this is the story of Leto, the diamond of Scorpio 2, which I think is really gives us some extra insights into this, especially when it comes to generational trauma and how we might perpetuate that in the second decan of Scorpio. So Leto was a paramour of Zeus. So Zeus in, in ancient Greek mythology was married to uh, the goddess Hera, but had all sorts of extramarital affairs with mortals and gods, gods and goddesses alike. So it, it, this was a, I believe, a mortal Leto or a, a titaness, okay, a female titan, excuse me, who, um, you know, mated with Zeus, became pregnant with twins. Those twins uh, ended up being Artemis and Apollo, the sun and the moon, respectively, or gods of those. There are, there are various other solar and lunar deities, but, but they are, those two gods and goddesses are, are generally associated with the sun and the moon. But Hera tortured Leto. Um, she was very upset about Zeus um, cheating on her once again, and her rage and vengeance was taken out on various um, women, gods, goddesses over the course of their relationship. And in this case, Hera sent a giant python uh, to torment Leto and said that no person, mortal, god, whatever, will give this woman shelter, sanctuary uh, during her pregnancy. So she was a, uh, a mother on the run, so to speak, and just was a wanderer. And I've, I've run into some clients where... Um, they they had difficult pregnancies. They they had difficult family situations where they just did not feel like they were safe in any one space. So I've seen this play out very literally in people's charts in various circumstances. Eventually, Leto uh, came upon an island, uh, the island of, of Delos, which actually, the story goes, was her sister transformed into an island. Uh, her sister had also been pursued by Zeus, and she threw herself off a cliff and transformed into an island. So she found refuge in one of her siblings as in island form and gave birth to Apollo and Artemis. So an another theme that may come up with this is sibling relationships. And I've also seen this very literally play out as um, people who have prominent placements in the second decan of Scorpio have a safe space in a sibling relationship. Like if they had a difficult relationship with parents or grandparents, et cetera, a sibling was, came along to provide some, some comfort. It's not always an easy relationship, but sometimes it's hard to recognize that in the moment of crisis. So Leto gives birth to Artemis and Apollo, and they grow up to be very uh, competent um, warriors, both, and very powerful deities. And... There is an, another part of this story that we don't hear quite a bit of, is that Leto is, a, is an example of, of starting in darkness and going into the light. So she found sanctuary. She had these wonderful children that became amazing deities that did a lot of good in the world. 
But there is a part of this story that's related to another um, another woman named Naomi. And Naomi was a, a, a very fertile woman who gave birth to seven sons and seven daughters. And she made the, the cardinal sin in Greek mythology of hubris, uh, where she bragged about that her fertility was was greater than even that of the one of the primordial mothers, Leto. And Leto was not not happy about this. She basically was like, you, you are not going to uh, besmirch my name with your hubris. And she sent Apollo after uh, Naomi, and Apollo slaughtered all seven of Naomi's sons and all seven of Naomi's daughters, left her childless. And, you know, Apollo also was uh, famous for slaying the, the python that tormented his mother as well. So there is some themes of like the children redeeming you, but also passing on that vengeance, that hatred, that um, traumatic crisis energy to the children as well, and carrying on some of that difficulty. So what, what can we learn from this? Is that I think the main theme that I'm seeing with this Lido theme is that hurt people tend to hurt people. But we do have a choice when we are faced with facing our own demons, our own stories, our own challenges, crises. We don't have to perpetuate the crisis. If we shine the light of awareness on the patterns that we have inherited and the patterns that we are either perpetuating or composting, again, you may not have been able to choose your parents. You may not have been able to choose your childhood and your circumstances. But what you can choose now are the circumstances that you find yourself in today. And I don't just mean like, yes, you may have children that you have, that you, you have circumstances or whatever. Um, but you can choose how you parent. You can choose your character and your integrity and whether you are going to continue on some of that pain or whether you're going to let it go and choose a different path. It's so important. And this is, I'm speaking from experience. I, I had a, a mother who had a difficult mother herself. My, my grandmother had some, probably some undiagnosed mental health challenges that were very toxic. Um, and a lot of her actions were uh, in service of her looking good rather than doing the right thing. And it caused a lot of trauma for my mother. And then my mother ended up being somebody who was uh, confused and um, had a lot of difficulty just living day to day. And eventually I went to go live with my dad when I was five years old. So there was an, an abandonment challenge around that. And I want to thank you, uh, Shandrika, for your super chats. Thank you so much for your uh, donations today. Um, so I experienced the abandonment of my mother at age four to age six or so. Like I didn't see my mother for two years. And it created a lot of challenges, emotional issues, a lot of fear. Um, I had many different step parents growing up. And a lot of different environments that I had to adjust to. Not all of them were healthy environments. I had some violent step parents as well. Uh, so there was violence in my home growing up. 
And I was faced with similar choices as a young parent. I, I became a young parent at 23 years old in a relationship that wasn't very stable and had the opportunity to do, to continue that generational trauma of abandoning a child. And, but here's the thing, when you know when, when, some of, when something like that, what it feels like, you can hopefully find the inner strength to make a different choice. And I had to work very, very, very hard to, to remain a part of my daughter's life in a very difficult circumstance. I had a cha very challenging co-parent that had some of their own uh, difficult uh, life circumstances and challenges. And um, we, had a, we didn't have a very um, peaceful relationship. And it, was, it, it took a lot of inner fortitude to, to work through that situation. And the, the good news is, is that my relationship with my daughter today remains good and strong and healthy. And I made a different choice than my mother did. I stuck around and I was, I hopefully provided her with the support that she needed um, at difficult times in her life. Um, I became a single parent when my daughter was a teenager and had to kind of take over for for her mom, who was having a lot of life challenges of her own and couldn't continue to be a healthy parent, um, her situation wasn't healthy. So I, I think that that is very, that feels like a very redemptive story. But the point of it is that because we experience suffering, we know what it's like to suffer. And when we know what it's like to suffer, that's when the choice comes in. Because do we perpetuate the suffering if we know better? That, that to me is the ultimate like failures. If you've suffered and then you continue to perpetuate that suffering, even if you know better. Now that, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to avoid hurting people in your life. We all fall short of the glory. Okay. But at least trying to like, to change those patterns and those cycles is really commendable. And I think that if you're going through something like that in this eclipse, uh, it's, it's kind of a one day at a time. You don't unravel years and years and years of generational trauma with one act, with one day, with one week, even with one year sometimes. Okay? So this is where the, the beauty of Taurus comes in when we are increasing our peaceful consistent, fertile energy, where we're saying, you know what, I'm just going to show up today. I'm going to show up and do as much as I can. It might not be perfect. I was not, for those of you wondering, I wasn't a perfect parent. Like I've, I definitely have my challenges okay, as a parent. Um, but if you just keep showing up and keep trying and keep uh, aspiring towards being the person that you want to be in your familial relationships, that alone can shift so much. Effort is, is something that I think is really important. I don't think, if children especially, are not gonna expect you to be perfect. But I do think that it isn't unreasonable for them to expect you to make an effort. And I think that they can tell, okay? So and I know this is sort of child and parent uh, focus, but we're all, children of somebody. We're, we're not necessarily all parents, although you can be a parent of like 
a fur baby. You can be a parent of a plant baby. Um, there's all sorts of ways to, to nurture things. There's all sorts of outlets for your own generational trauma to, to wreak havoc in your life or for you to heal it, even if you aren't a parent moving forward. Um, but I do think that there are some, some themes, especially with Mars and Cancer, family, family history type stuff. All right. So does that give you some ideas about Leto? Leto went, started in darkness, came towards the light, but returned to darkness. She chose to perpetuate that vengeance and hatred that she experienced from Hera, even knowing better. And that's, some of the, that's, that's part of the tragedy of Leto's story. Um, but I'm here to tell you that you don't have to perpetuate that. And only by, I think sometimes it takes enormous courage and strength to, to choose a different path. And oftentimes that different path comes from, you don't necessarily have to get involved in some of these situations. Sometimes just taking a break, taking a time out, um, you know, being kind, uh, having grace for somebody practicing forgiveness, sometimes letting go of an old form. Not every traumatic relationship has to necessarily be healed 100% or, or revisited, okay? Like sometimes there are situations where you may be the most, I don't know, I don't know if enlightens the right word, but you could be trying your hardest and that situation still may not heal itself to the point where you have the the mother, the sister, the child that you dream dream of, and and that's painful, and that's something I've learned from my family too. As much as much effort as you put into something, that doesn't guarantee that that relationship can be fixed. Okay, so and that's not a failing on your part if that is the case in your life. There are just certain situations that are disconnected, and it helps you to appreciate the, the good relationships that you do have in your life. And that, that I think is the shift. Okay. All right. So let's move forward to the fixed star that I think is important in this story. And that's Zubin El Janubi. Zubin El Janubi is at 15 degrees of Scorpio. So very, very close to this eclipse. This eclipse is at the very end of the 14th degree of Scorpio. It, again, it is in the constellation Libra, but this, this was formerly the, the, the southern claw of Scorpio. And the Arabs had a word for, Zubin al-Janubi basically means insufficient price in Arabic. So there is a, balances were used for, for payment uh, in ancient times. And in this case, you may be giving more than, than what you are receiving. Um, Bernadette Brady in her book, Star and Planet Combinations, talks a lot about this star related to volunteerism. And I think that that's a nice way of spinning. You're doing a lot of work, but you're not getting very much compensation for it, which in some cases you may need to do. Uh, in, in instances of social justice and reform, that, that is often the case. But there are other situations where we have relationships that are out of balance. We may be receiving a, a punishment or punishing ourselves in a merciless way that is um, very difficult to, to reconcile. So I feel like this fixed star, I've seen it here saying, it's a fixed star of paying your dues, of harsh justice, rather than 
gentle, balanced justice. So everything I've talked about with the, the family trauma, generational trauma, I think that there's another extreme that you could go to is if you're feeling like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, get revenge for this injustice that I experienced. You could find yourself being the one that is being merciless in your judgment of somebody else. And the lesson might be to soften that judgment on some level. Or you may be the victim of that merciless punishment. And the lesson may be to learn to separate from that situation so that you don't put yourself in that vulnerable position once again. So I, this is definitely part of the story here, um, is intermeshed deep emotional relationships where we're exchanging energy, revisiting those relationships, but potentially with a specific purpose to finally let go of them eventually so that that energy can be liberated for something that is healthy and vital for you moving forward. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to check in with the chat here. And I think this is a good time to take a little stretch break. How are y'all doing? Are you excited about your new football Christmas players? I'm pretty excited about Lucas Van Ness. Although I was disappointed in the moment that they passed on Jackson Smith Najigba, wide receiver from Ohio State, who I think is going to be a really good player. He's an Aquarius born on Valentine's Day, and I thought it would have been great if Jordan Love, the new quarterback of Green Bay Packers, was throwing passes to a young gentleman that was born on Valentine's Day, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, so I hope for the, for the best for Lucas Van Ness, who uh, I think he grew up a Bears fan, so that's all. That's one knock in his on him right away. <laughs> what can you do? That was in the past. Lucas Van Ness is going to have to release the old narratives of being a Bears fan because now he plays for the Green Bay Packers. So, friends, I appreciate you holding space for some of my own vulnerability and stories. I try to share those stories to, to give you insight into some of the lived experience of some of these placements and also to hopefully allow you to feel that it's okay for you to be vulnerable in situations where you don't necessarily have to keep all this stuff, you know, shoved down, where you don't necessarily have to have the the Pinterest, you know, shine on your life. Like, shit happens. And we all have some suffering in our past. As much as some people would like to just think that everything in our life is perfect, um, it just doesn't work that way. I just, I, I get really skeptical when I hear people say that. That doesn't mean that you can't have gratitude and have an optimistic outlook on life. It just means that we all have some some wonderful things and we all have some challenges. Uh, Prudence says, always appreciate your stories and vulnerability. Well, thank you, Prudence. I'm doing my best to uh, lead the way here. And again, I hope it, that that help, makes it okay for you to feel your feelings and share your stories as well. So at this moment, take a stretch get a drink of water, uh, hit the like button, help me out, uh, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter, purchase the Deccans of Taurus, or the Deccans of Scorpio, um, 
subscribe to me on Instagram. I really like uh, doing some creative things on Instagram. Every time I advertise one of these shows or live streams, I always really obsess about the music. And I try to give uh, meaning through the songs that I pick as well. And I want to show you, this is one thing I wanted to share with you before we get back to taking the eclipse through the houses. Another thing that I think is relevant for this eclipse is this song that I've just been just obsessing over. This is a song called Ghosts Again by Depeche Mode off of their new album, Memento Mori. And I use this in my, uh, my reel on Instagram to advertise this eclipse today or this eclipse show live stream because I just think it really does capture the essence of it. I'm just going to read this to you. This is Dave Gahn and Martin Gore of Depeche Mode. I'm, I just love this song. It's just really, it's really touching me in a, in a deep, deep emotional space. Uh, Dave Gahn says, wasted feelings, broken meanings. Time is fleeting. See what it brings. Hellos, goodbyes, a thousand midnights. Lost in sleepless lullabies. Heaven's dreaming. Thoughtless thoughts, my friend. We know we'll be ghosts again. Sunday's shining, silver linings, weightless hours, all my flowers. That whole chorus right there is very six of cups. Um, there are a lot of, there's an exchange of flowers in that, in that um, card in particular. Sunday shining, we've got the, the golden hour, the solar decan. This is a very six of cups song. A place to hide the tears that you cried. Everybody says goodbye. Faith is sleeping, lovers in the end. Whisper will be ghosts again. Heaven's dreaming, thoughtless thoughts, my friends. We know we'll be ghosts again. Faith is sleeping, lovers in the end. Whisper will be ghosts again. So Depeche Mode is a band that I think has always been at their best when they are kind of exploring some of the darker underpinnings of life, of experience. Uh, they explore addiction. Um, they explore death. In this case, they, they lost a member of their band recently and um, produced some of the best work that I think they've produced in many years. They've always been consistently good, but this album is probably my favorite album since the Violator album in 1990. My, my favorite song, just I think ever, I don't think I have a song that I like better than this, but it's Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. It's a song that I can listen to over and over and over again and never get tired of. And I feel the same way about this song. So take a listen to it. I'm not going to play it on the channel here because YouTube has weird um, rules about, you know, song copyright, but take a look at it, listen to it, read the lyrics, meditate on that song as, as maybe your soundtrack for this uh, eclipse. And I think the one thing I've been thinking about is another um, motivation to sign up for my newsletter. I think I'm going to start including a, like a song of the week. I send out a newsletter each week and oftentimes there are songs that really feel um, important for the, for the astrology. And so if you want to see what the kind of the song vibe of the week is, I'll, I'll include, start including something like that in my newsletter. I've been thinking about including more musical explorations um, in my work as well. And starting to revisit that, you know, kind of creative part of myself that has been dormant, I think, over since the pandemic started. My, my music and my 
creativity. Um, it's expressed in different ways, but it's lied a little bit dormant, and I want to awaken that again. So I hope that that was, uh, I hope that, that those lyrics have been affecting you the same way that it have me. Just really, everything about that song is just uh, intense and awesome. So let's go back to the chart. And what I would like to do now is take you through the, um, the rising signs. So my friend Julene tried to help me figure out how to do this in a way where I, we could look at all of the charts in one thing. And I'm going to actually try something here where Astro Gold is a little bit weird, where you this is how they show you the charts in different spots. Only problem with this is that they're super tiny. <laughs> like, so um, what I'm going to do, uh, that's not what I want. I'm going to try to share. Uh, there's like a PDF that you can make of this. All right, can everybody see that? I want to make sure that you can see it. And I'll go through the, the houses here. It's a little bit blurry in comparison. But here is the Aries. Uh, hold on. There is the... There it is. Here's the Aries rising chart. And I'll see if I can make it just like one little thing here. Do-do. Thanks for bearing with me. Trying, just trying something new here. And it's always kind of a... It's always an experiment on some level. So here you can see the Aries rising chart um, that is of the eclipse. Can you see the whole chart on your live stream? I know that there's a little bit of a delay here, and I want to make sure that you can actually see the whole chart. I think you can. Okay, Nanda Devi's giving me the thumbs up, my Virgo friend. <laughs> All right, so what we're looking at here is the eclipse for Aries rising. So a couple things we're going to look at. We're going to, first of all, we're going to look at the two houses that the eclipse is happening in. And we are going to, um, hold on a second, I don't know what happened there. Thanks for for hanging in there with me for my um, <laughs> my Mercury retrograde experience here. I don't know where this little thing came from. Get out of there. Anyway, so the, the Aries rising is having the eclipse over the second and eighth houses here, and. Man, that's going to bother me. Sorry, there's just like a little thing on the screen that I've got to get rid of somehow. Go away. Go away, whatever you are. Go away. <laughs> there. No. Okay, there it is. I think it's gone now. Um, okay, so Aries rising. Here, let's, let's try this again. Thank you for your patience. So we're looking at the second and eighth house axis. And what we should do is we can uh, 
look at the two houses that we're dealing with, and then we want to pay specific attention to where Mars is, because that's going to be important for the, the, the eclipse in particular. So Mars is going to be feeding energy from the fourth house, if you're in Aries rising, to your eighth house, uh, where the moon is going to be coming full. <clears throat> so if you're in Aries rising, <coughs> excuse me, there may have been a separation in your home life, maybe from a parent, maybe from another family member, maybe from a domestic situation or moving or a home or something of that nature, something of your foundation that has recently changed. And it may have been forcing you to reevaluate how you support yourself and how you support others, which is a second house, eighth house challenge. You may be uh, forced or you may choose to reduce the, um, the codependence when it comes to supporting others financially or being supported financially. So this is, this is a big theme that's going to be coming up for Aries Risings right now. And Mars Angular is tough. That's a tough position for Mars. There's it, it, probably it's a lot of challenges if you have Aries Rising, okay? So try to uh, figure out what resources you have. You've got Mercury going retrograde through your second house. So you're evaluating all of your, your material resources at this point anyway. Uh, shortly after the eclipse... Just a couple things to keep in mind as we talk about this through the houses. You know, the moon's going to go out of bounds like the day after the eclipse, so we might feel pretty emotional coming off the, the peak of the lunar energy. Um, we also are going to uh, see Venus moving into Cancer shortly after on the, on the 7th, and then a Sun-Uranus conjunction on the 9th. So that to me, this, that sequence of events says, probably feeling emotional due to the, the realizations that are coming up about how in, intermeshed your life is with others by revisiting something. And then Venus is going to be starting to assist. Venus is going to be creating mutually beneficial relationships in the first decade of Cancer and starting to harmonize some of the conflicts that we've been having with Mars and Cancer. So uh, keep that in mind as we're looking at this. Um, Ilis J says, your commentary on the Scorpio Moon Eclipse pairs nicely with Kelly Surti's writing on clearing out and organizing during Mercury retrograde. Oh, good. Yeah, I, have, I haven't been keeping up as much with Kelly's work, but I, I really appreciate her work. I met her at uh, United Astrology Conference 2018. She's a really nice lady. Um, she's really tall. <laughs> she's, she's like six feet tall. She has a real presence about her, but super sweet lady and a really great astrologer. So I hope that she's doing well and, and that um, that's, that's kind of you to say, uh, if I'm doing something that is in alignment with uh, her expertise, I, I must be doing something okay, because she's, she's a wonderful astrologer. Um, just the other thing to think about is that Saturn is, you know, aspecting this by trying so there's sort of a, you know, a reevaluation of, of finding meaning through solitude. So a lot of Aries Risings right now may be wanting to uh, go off into their own, you know, imaginations and take some time out. There may be some losses in your family that are causing you to say, you know what, I just need rest. I need some solitude. I need to reevaluate um, my sources of support and my sources of 
uh, how I take care of myself. Okay, so that's Aries rising. I'm going to go a little bit quicker through some of these today because uh, I just I need to get back to my draft coverage, folks. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, I shouldn't be. But there's so much like my brain just wants to talk about football right now. <laughs> I got to get ready for rounds two and three tonight. I'm, I'm a ridiculous person sometimes. So here is Taurus rising. Now, what I was talking about earlier is that when we have eclipses over angular houses, you're going to feel this more intensely personally. And for a Taurus rising, for Taurus rising, Scorpio rising, Leo rising, Aquarius rising, th this is going to be one you feel pretty intensely. Uh, I know this is going to be an important one for me because my moon's at 15 degrees of Taurus in the 10,000. My IC MC axis is right on this degree, like 13 degrees of each of these signs. So pray for me uh, in, in this eclipse. I will say the last last year, the eclipse happened around these degrees. Uh, my mom passed away, my grandfather passed away, and my great aunt that I had established a really nice relationship with passed away all within uh, three weeks of each other. So again, that doesn't mean that someone important to you is going to pass, although it is a possibility if you have um, an angular eclipse like this. But um, just recognize that you're going to feel it personally uh, if you have an angular eclipse. So Taurus rising, Taurus rising's been getting Uranus, you know, really intensely lately, which means that their routines have been shaken up. But we had uh, a, a friend of the show that has been commenting on their divorce recently, uh, who is a Taurus rising. Their routines are getting all shaken up. Um, our friend. Our friend Adam Allenboss from Nightlight Astrology is a Taurus rising. He's gone through a lot of changes if you follow along with the Nightlight channel. Um, you know, just a lot of reevaluation of who you are and what your personal rhythms are and your self-expression is as you move through Uranus and Taurus energy time. So in this case, now there's a there's a, a reevaluation with Mercury moving through your first house retrograde. And we are seeing potentially some kind of conflict coming up from your third house of your uh, third house is generally related to sibling relationships, as we talked about, or extended family could be uncles, siblings, people that are in your environment, neighbors. Um, it also is related to short journeys. Uh, and that seems ambiguous when you're studying Hellenistic astrology. But what that really means is your everyday type of errands that you would run, in my opinion. It also could be journeys to to return to a familiar place. Um, that was one kind of uh, interesting thing I learned in the Nightlight course was sometimes a, sh a third house journey can be one that where you are returning to your origins even if it is long distance uh, in mileage or kilometers right uh, a ninth house journey is a journey that is to a sacred space that is very much outside or foreign of your familiar area so let's say you're returning back let's say you're from california and you have to go home to california or something like that from the midwest that's to me is actually a third house journey because it's returning to your roots. So there may be some kind of conflict, Mars energy uh, with siblings, with returning to your roots, 
something of that nature that could be fueling this eclipse. And there is some kind of culmination of a separation of a deeply enmeshed relationship if you are a Taurus rising, okay? So think about that as we move forward through this eclipse. Uh, again, you know, we had like a friend of the show is ending a marriage. So that's one example uh, of a full moon eclipse in, in the seventh house is releasing some of the in, in, entangled emotional exchanges. Um, but again, Taurus rising, you have an awareness of those na nature cycles. And this is an important time for you to find your inner peace, even if your relationships are changing. And to, to look to nature, to have that type of faith that you will be regenerated in that area of your life. If there's a relationship that's changing right now, you know, it's probably for the better. It's not something that just arose overnight. Um, it's something that you've probably been dealing with for a long time. And by reducing your dependence on it, you're creating space for uh, more inner peace, more independence, and maybe even potentially a different type of relationship moving forward. And, and that can only, I think, be healthy, especially if you've been dealing with a toxic one. So that is Taurus rising. Uh, you, again, there's some reevaluation of your participation within groups again. When we're changing our relationships to some of our our personal relationships, that can affect our friendships too and the groups that we're a part of and our communities. So that may be another part of this equation. Okay, so let's go to Gemini rising. So here's Gemini rising. And here the eclipse is, is happening over the 12th house, 6th house axis. And we have Mars hosting from the second house. So this is a uh, a situation. Whoops. Mars is providing for the moon. I want to make sure I get that right. There we go. This is a situation where there might be some um, questions about your work versus your uh, rest. There may be some health challenges that are going on. Um, that are coming to uh, a fruition. This could be something where your, your body's just feeling a little out of whack and you, you're really focusing on your self-care and solitude, but it may be, there may be some things that are pulling you away from, from rest at this point. And what, which of those things in your life are pulling you away from that sense of peace and rest? Uh, which habits uh, in particular, which, which, which health issues are coming to fruition? You know, Mars is in your second house, so there could be some financial issues that are causing you to, to feel a little bit of stress and anxiety. But this second house is also related to the food we eat, in my opinion. That is, it's everything that supports you. So th this could also be something where maybe changing your diet or something of that nature or changing some of the habits about what you take in as nourishment, whether it's intellectually, physically, or spiritually, could, could be something that helps you set, set you on the right track. As a Gemini rising, you have Venus in your first house right now, trying to smooth things out, show you the value of your choices. And the financial hardship is probably going to start shifting as, as Venus moves into your second house. That's starting to smooth things over a little bit. It makes a trine with Saturn and Pisces. So you've got a lot of responsibility on your plate right now with Saturn in the 10th house, but 
Venus is coming to, to the rescue, I think, eventually here. And I think that um, it will be beneficial um, for you coming uh, soon. So take it easy, rest, try not to get too lost in the, the, the things that are out of your control, which is very much a sixth house challenge. There may be challenges getting things done because the sixth house also pulls us away from the completion of the seventh house. I often recommend with sixth house stuff, it's, it's the journey, not the, not the end of the road, not the goal. My, another favorite athlete of mine, Giannis Adetokounmpo, just experienced a, a very difficult uh, end of his season. They, they, um, a, a reporter asked him about if he considered the season a failure because they didn't advance. And he had a really, he got a little annoyed because he, he's been asked that question before, but then he had this really en enlightened response about there's no failures. There's not every, you know, every season that doesn't end in like a championship is not necessarily a failure. It's part of a journey. It's part of uh, some a, a process. And I think that six house is very process orientated. So coming to appreciate the process, I think is important. Okay. I'm just looking through the chat here. Hey, Nancy. Nancy's here. Hello, Nancy. I've been having connectivity issues. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're here now. Mercury retrograde. We're going to have that every once in a while. All right. Yeah. And Nanda Debbie says uh, that's a lot of goodbyes. It is. Uh, referring to just losing. It, they were, and you know what the funny thing was, Nanda Debbie, it was all on my mom's side of the family. It was my mom's father that passed about two weeks after my mom passed. And then my mom's aunt that passed a few weeks after that. So there was, you know, just, there was a whole chapter closing in that side of the family. And, and uh, to be honest with you, that's the side of the family where a lot of the trauma came from and generational trauma and, and where it was a lot more unhealthy. My dad's side of the family has their challenges, but they're mostly functional. Um, so it's just interesting to be released from that during an eclipse er, uh, energy. Uh, and as much as I'm mourning their loss, it is also a liberation as well. So keep that in mind. And I'm very grateful for the relationships that remain, like my dad and my daughter and my partner and other parts of my family. Um, loss can help magnetize and energize you towards gratitude. Okay, so that is Gemini rising. Let's move to Cancer rising. We're going a little bit quicker through it today. So there's Cancer rising. And with Cancer rising, I, I do like this. This is a, the sheets function where like the, they're the sun sign chart things. And this is kind of nice because then you don't have to, the, the exact degrees of the eclipse remain the same. But for Cancer Rising, the eclipse is happening over the 11th and 5th house axis. And uh, we're having Mars in the 1st house. So this is uh, Cancer Risings have been going through some stuff. They've been, a lot of my Cancer Rising friends, clients, and associates have been um, trying to expand their uh, exposure in the world whether through a job or through something that's important to them, their visibility, I guess would be a better word for it. And the moon is some is a planet that isn't always comfortable with, with, you know, having the bright rays of the sun shining on them, the spotlight. So there's probably been some discomfort around that. 
Um, and you can see also that Mars is going to be moving into uh, a square with Jupiter here too, eventually. When does that perfect? That was a piece that I didn't quite uh, get. What's the Mars-Jupiter square? I believe it's not after till these planets change signs, though. In May. I don't think that there's a Mars-Jupiter square in Aries and Cancer, because I think that Jupiter will already be in Taurus before it squares Mars um, in Leo. So that'll be interesting. Um, but with Mars in the first house, you probably have either more energy or less, I guess, because you're trying to get some stuff done. You're not able to take things at the, the leisurely pace that you've probably been used to. Um, there could be something coming to a head around your pursuit of pleasure with the fifth house um, activated in this eclipse. I think this is a, an important time for Cancer Risings to get really real with themselves about any uh, habits that they may have that, or ways of seeking pleasure or entertainment that could be not so good for them or, or toxic. Oftentimes when we're feeling bad emotionally, like I'm just thinking of like emotional eating or something like that, where we, we feel bad and we want to do something that makes us feel good. And we can go a little bit overboard with that. I know for me as a Cancer Sun, food is, a, and Taurus Moon for that matter, um, food is a source of comfort. And I really have to watch myself with food because part of my family has, is, you know, diabetic. And if I overdo it with, with sugar, I really feel really bad. Um, so I've had to really watch my diet. So watch what you're pursuing in, in pleasure situations. Um, there could be something coming to a head with your involvement in a group where you're having to, you know, your focus right now is on the, the shared relationships that you're with, the shared group that you're with. And you may have to reduce some of your own personal um, agenda around the whatever the project is to make it successful. Oftentimes the fifth house is our own personal creative energy, uh, something of that nature. Cancer rising also, fifth house is, is related to children. So if you have a physical children or even just a, a product, or a project, a child of the mind, so to speak. This may be a time to release some of your attachment to either that physical child or that uh, creative child. You're, you may be just too intermeshed with it, intermeshed at this point, and it would be beneficial to kind of pull back into yourself on some level. Okay, yeah, LSJ says the Mars-Jupiter-Pluto T-square is in late May. You're absolutely right, LSJ. We're going to have a, a T-square between Jupiter, Mars, and Pluto in the fixed signs. Uh, when Jupiter moves into Taurus shortly after this, that's going to happen the 16th of May. And then Jupiter will square Pluto on the 17th. And I think that the Jupiter-Mars square is like the 20th or something like that, where all those energies are going to start button heads with one another. Okay. Um. The good news, Cancer, Venus is going to move into your first house very shortly after this eclipse, which is really beneficial, harmonizes things. Mars is going to move out of your first. That's great. Um, and then um, Jupiter is going to move into your 11th house. So uh, some of the things where you've been trying to establish, you know, some kind of new place in society, it's going to start paying dividends at, at, at the end of this eclipse, right? So just stick with it, Cancer Rising. 
you'll be able to kind of relax soon enough. Okay. Let's go to Leo Rising. And I'm going to go back over here and we'll go down to Leo Rising. Oh, this is very actually convenient. Um, so Leo Rising. Leo Rising, you are one of our angular superstars here. I'm just sighing heavily because I, I, I have some inclinations about what this could mean for me. And I've taken some precautions around it. Mainly taking some time off. I may or may not do a live stream next week because I there's I have some stuff going on domestically that I need to kind of have be be available for. Uh, my daughter's moving to a new place and may need our assistance. So we'll see. And there's some other things wrapped up in that that uh, reflect many of the things we've been talking about here today. And um, so Leo Risings, you may have some challenges between your domestic situation that where you, you're a little bit intermeshed in a domestic situation, and it may be taking energy away potentially from your work. Again, just prepare yourselves, friends, for maybe uh, just a, a week off from live stream next week. I haven't, I haven't made that decision yet, but we'll see where things are at. We'll play it by ear. That's what you do in eclipse season, right? Um, and Mars is moving through your 12th house, Leo Rising. And I think that this is just a, a place where maybe it's hard to get some time alone, or maybe there's some revisiting of like uh, old repressed emotions that may come up or, or need to be dealt with. You know, Mars is about to move into your first house, uh, giving you some energy eventually here. Um, I think Mars in the 12th, from my own experience as a Leo rising, I, there's a lot of projects that I want to work on right now, and I want to put a lot of energy into. And what I'm finding is that my body isn't quite responding exactly how I would want it to. Uh, I'm, I'm specifically referring to like trying to completely transform my yard into a pollinator habitat. And I sort of underestimated the amount of physical work that it would take for my my agenda with that. And um, my body's been in a lot of pain after doing a lot of intense work. And I, I feel like that's part of the Mars and Cancer. Like sometimes the, the moon is also related to the body. So we may be having inflammation flare-ups or things like of that nature. For me, I've been having a lot of shoulder pain that's been slowing me down. So Leo Risings, you've probably been slowed down by something potentially. Um, but Mars is about to move into your first house. That energy is about to come back with a vengeance and uh, even maybe too intensely. So you have to be careful of that, especially with the T-square the happening with Jupiter and Mars and uh, Pluto. Um, Leo Rising, there's also going to be a, that, that Sun-Uranus conjunction in your 10th house, some unexpected benefit potentially in your career coming shortly after this. And then Venus is going to move into your 12th, which I think will help you get the rest and the solitude that you need um, after you've been able to, to release some of that old trauma. What I find with Leo Risings, myself included, 
is if you have the IC in particular, the lower midheaven in Scorpio, you, you probably had some crisis situations that you grew up with. And learning how to um, not have to live in crisis and in relationship to your family relationships is, is an important lesson for Leo rising. This is another reason why it's so important for Leos and Leo risings to create, I think, to create peace out in their public life. This is why this channel, I I refuse to 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 create conflict in this channel. And if anybody comes into this sacred space trying to like come at me with conflict, they immediately are just out because this is our sacred sanctuary. This is a place where we get to like help each other grow and have peace. Um, and it's because we've dealt with so much of that intensity in our private life that it's just like, that's not what I want to add to the world. <laughs> I want to add peace and, you know, uh, just generosity and things of that nature. And thank you so much, Michelle, for your super sticker and water, water trine. I think I, that's the thing there. Thank you, water trine for your super sticker as well. I appreciate all of you and your generosity. That's amazing that you're here and that you're supporting the channel. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, Kate's walking in Leo rising, the Leo rising friend here. And Michelle, you didn't miss the whole live. You could, there, we still I got a little ways to go. We, I still got Cap Rising to go, Michelle, if I'm remembering that correctly. <laughs> like, um, or Cap Sun, something like that. I know you're part of our Capricorn crew, I think. Kate says, the children I'm caring for through the state reunification has not occurred. I can feel 12th house Mars, but also have an Aries moon. Yeah. So like frustrated energy of moving forward, right, Kate? We have something that we want to do. That's And, and there's a, re, a family issue coming up too. I've been helping my daughter through some of the challenges that she's going through um, with her, the other side of her family, and um, just trying to just be a support system for her doing through through some of that. And uh, yeah, it, it, Mars can create conflict in the domestic situation and keep us separated from that which would normally bring us a sense or a source of support. So think about that with with this uh, Leo rising. Okay. Okay. Water Trine Muse. Thank you, Water Trine Muse. Says, love your podcast, Spencer. Well, I'm so happy that you're here, friend. And I appreciate the compliment and the super chat. Um, thank you for your generosity and sharing your energy today. And I'm, I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, yeah, Michelle says Cap Rising. Yeah, see, you can, if you guys show up enough and tell me your stuff, I'll start to remember. I have a decent memory. <laughs> so, okay. So that's Leo rising, um, in, probably an intense one for you, Leo rising, because it is angular, like a, a real balance point. Maybe a point of increase in your career is is causing you to have to reduce some of your your um, you know challenges in in your in your home. I think also what I've noticed as I've gotten older and moved on from some of my own generational trauma is that a lot of my domestic problems. Uh, that was actually in the name of a band from Kalamazoo back in the day, Domestic Problems, um, have taken a lot of energy away from my uh, appearance out in the world and my, and, you know, being able to do more things publicly. And I had to just kind of come to terms with that on some level. And as my daughter gets older and as, as you know, she becomes more independent, I have more time and energy to do more um, career-orientated things, more public things. So think about that too, Leo, is, is that the more that you resolve some of your old trauma and challenges, um, the easier it is to create growth 
out in public and and in the the um, the way you show up for the world rather than just for your family. Okay, so let's move on. So this is Virgo rising. So for Virgo rising, you are going to have the eclipse over the third and ninth house axis. Okay, and these two houses were called the God. God and goddess, respectively, ninth house being the house of God and the ninth, the third house, the house of the goddess. The joy of the sun and the joy of the moon, uh, where we see the sun and the moon in their, in their joys, respectively, which is interesting. Um, we are also seeing for Virgo rising, Mars in the, in the ninth house. Let's see if I can get rid of that. And Sorry, no, Mars in the 11th house. Pardon me for misspeaking. Okay, so an eclipse over the 3rd and ninth house axis. This 3rd and ninth house opposition can be something where you're potentially dealing with um, the, the belief systems that were handed to you from an orthodox system the ninth house and the way that you ritualize those beliefs and your personal life third house is also associated with heretics and the ninth house with like you know orthodox religions so there may be something in your life virgo rising where maybe you have a uh, unhealthy relationship with some ritual in your life or maybe you're being a heretic at the expense uh, or contrary um where you need to like kind of reduce some of your dependence on some of that day-to-day uh, experience. Maybe there's a ritual that you have. Like if I'm, if I'm thinking this out, out loud, Virgos have their rituals. Okay. Virgos have their systems. And <laughs> with Virgo rising, I'm sure that you have everything in its place, everything in its order. And your daily routines and habits are something that is very important to you. Now, Saturn is in your seventh house right now. It's in Pisces. It's in the opposite sign to your ascendant. It's asking you to go with the flow a little bit more. Um, And there may be some habits and routines that you have that are just not, it's not efficient anymore. Maybe it's comfortable, but it's not efficient. And leaving some space for flow and current and going with the flow state, I think is important for you, Virgo rising with this eclipse. I think that there also could be sibling issues that come up, extended family challenges. Uh, This is a placement where you could very much see um, with the moon here, that story of Leto that we were talking about, uh, uh, trying to find a safe space or a a shelter in the storm and having it be sort of a difficult thing. And maybe even uh, your siblings might be that for you, but there could be some, some interdependence between you and your siblings that needs to kind of move you need to move on from okay we, we there are all sorts of relationships that we can get intermeshed in also this could be something for virgo risings i mean consider that you have mercury ruling your chart in the ninth house in a retrograde cycle you're reevaluating your belief systems and that could lead to a change in your daily life you also have mars in your 11th house that could be creating some conflicts with the the groups that you're a part of and that could also be playing a factor into how you live your day-to-day existence. 
oftentimes I think people in modern astrology circles will talk about daily habits in regards to the sixth house. I tend to look at the daily habits that we have as a third house matter um, because it is the joy of the moon and our routines and things like that. Sixth house is more of the injuries and illnesses. Yes, your daily habits will affect your sixth house, but I think it's there's a unique relationship between the third and the sixth house where if you change your third house habits, you could probably heal some of your sixth house ailments, in my, in my opinion, that they are very intimately connected in that way. Okay, so that is Virgo rising. I'm just looking at the chat here in between here. I'm reading. That's that tune from Ghosts Again. It's just been stuck in my head all the time now. And then they have that little like Bach counterpoint thing. <laughs> Go listen to it. It's a great song. Catherine Ann Energy says a little behind on the live, but so resonating with the Scorpio 2 discussion. Tight natal conjunction of Sun and Venus at 14 Scorpio. Expecting the eclipse to be memorable. Thanks, Spencer. Well, thank you for being here, friend. And I hope that we're giving you some guidance and shining some light on all this and maybe some of the challenges of, of living uh, some placements within that. So welcome. Nanda Devi says, we appreciate the help, but you don't know the system, so we'll just have to do it over again. <laughs> yeah. Nanda Devi spoken like a true Virgo son. Mm -hmm. So, yes, exactly. Uh, I'm guilty of this, too. I, I have a very elaborate morning routine that is hours long that if I don't, if, I get, if it gets interrupted, I get a little, I have some anxiety around it and it get cranky. Uh, I wake up, I do a morning ritual prayer to the planetary deities of the day. I pull tarot cards, I do my I Ching reading for the day. I make a, a shake every morning, like a, like a protein type superfood shake with all sorts of crap in it. And then I drink it and then I journal and then I pet my cat and then I, you know, do my hygiene things and then I start working. But if I don't do any of those things before that, <laughs> it's like I have a weird day. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely Virgo slash Taurus routines that we get into um, that sometimes we need, but maybe the, the point I'm making with this Virgo rising is that maybe it doesn't have to be that elaborate. Maybe there's a way to streamline it so that your uh, your routine is is supporting you rather than creating just more more issues. Okay. So let's move forward to Libra rising. This one's for you, Nanda Devi. Um, so Libra rising, we are seeing this over your second and eighth house axis. Mars is hanging out in your 10th and it is providing some of these resources here for the second right now. Um, so we talked about this with Aries rising at the beginning of the show, where Aries rising had some kind of conflict or separation in their family that may have been causing a reevaluation of how much you support other people and or how you are being supported. And some of those similar themes apply here, but some of the challenges may come from a change in your work life, 
Uh, so there may be some, you may be separated from a source of support in your public life potentially uh, with a 10th house Mars here. And that may be making it a little bit difficult for you to be as independent as you would prefer to be, although that seems like an oxymoron with, with Libra rising. But that sometimes it's true. I think that there, each one of us has a desire to be either partnered or independent. And there may be some things where you have to reduce self-reliance with this particular eclipse and either support someone else or allow yourself to be helped. Oftentimes, Libra risings have lives that require adjustments to others. And this may be a case where you don't necessarily have to prove to everyone how, how tough and independent you are. Um, and allow yourself to be assisted a little bit. Um, there could also be people in your life that, that you are supporting and you're reevaluating that with Mercury retrograde right now too. Like the, the resources that you share with others, like a partner, a business partner, it could be all of those things. Those are up for reevaluation at this point also. Um, again, second house can also be related to what we take in to our bodies. So there may be some things that you're reevaluating as far as how you, you support yourself with food or information or otherwise. Could be a great time for a fast if you're a Libra rising as well. Like it could be an information fast. It could be a physical fast. I think those things could be healthy to reset your systems on some level as well. Uh, you got Saturn moving through your sixth house also. So again, there, there may be some health things that are cropping up that are challenging you to change some of your habits and routines and things of that nature also. So those are some things to consider Libra rising. But take take heart that Venus is going to move into the 10th house and start to smooth over some of those public issues that you've been dealing with. Um, and then, you know, eventually Jupiter is going to move into your 8th house, smoothing over some of the shared resource questions that have been coming up recently. Okay, let's check the chat. Kate says, Scorpio has like emotional intelligence. I believe this cycle will involve feelings with the moon like this. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, nostalgic feelings, Kate. There's going to be a lot of things we're revisiting with this eclipse. Uh, but again, balance is the key. Like emotional intelligence is, is like you were saying, it's important. Sometimes emotional intelligence means feeling your feelings rather than repressing them. I have a Scorpio moon father, and he, he used to tell me he could choose to feel something or not. And I was like, bullshit. And my, my, my Taurus moon was like, yeah, right. Because my, my modus operandi is feel it and release it and let it go. Um, his modus operandi is, he, he tells me he can crush his emotions into a small little ball so that he doesn't have to feel it. He can control them. And I'm like, that sounds really unhealthy. <laughs> like, so um, sometimes emotional intelligence is allowing you to feel your feelings, to feel the grief, to feel the pain. Uh, so that you can feel healed again. That's that's the the, the fu fundamental you know meaning of catharsis is allowing ourselves to feel so we can be purified and re reborn and regenerated once again. So if you're avoiding a feeling with uh, this Scorpio moon, it might be healthier just to feel it and then let it go. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Kate's pointing out there's a Venus Neptune square around this eclipse also. That's a good point. Um, it is separating, but yes, we may have some unrealistic expectations about how we are taken care of and how we are supported. So that's actually a very good point to bring up. Um, especially with the square, we have just so many options, but we may be blinded by the, you know, this Neptune and Pisces energy 
where we just have this vision of how we want it to be. And that could really be interfering with our lived reality. Uh, I know in my family, with my own mom, with some other people I've had challenges with in my life, a lot of the challenges come from just the, the, the refusal to accept anything less than the perfect, uh, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, white picket fence life. And life just doesn't always look like that. We're not always going to have like the, the quote unquote nuclear family, or we're not always going to have the, the, the two house, two car, you know, white picket fence life, whatever it is, you know, we have all sorts of ways that we can be families and all sorts of ways that we can have relationships and all sorts of ways we can have jobs and lives and, and, you know, people that we love. That's the beauty of diversity. So try not to get too um, uh, caught up in your vision of what a perfect life would look like, especially in your family relationships at this eclipse. Um, and this is some advice I've been giving to, to some important people in my life is that, you know, if you're going to engage in a relationship that has had challenges in the past, one of the things that you might have to do is re reduce your expectations on that person, on that relationship, especially if there's been to toxicity between the two of you in the past. Sometimes it's important to just relate to them with more boundaries, healthier boundaries, and maybe just more intermittently, not necessarily having to put so much pressure on it to be this perfect thing and pulling that energy back into the self. That's where we get the centeredness of Taurus in this eclipse is Taurus says, I have everything I need inside of me and in nature. Whereas Scorpio is like, I hunger for something outside of me. I hunger for this other thing to complete me. or I hunger for this deeply enmeshed relationship, right? So how do we pull ourselves back into this Taurus abundance rather than this crisis and scarcity and, and fear energy? Okay, let's move on. Uh, Kate says, I wonder if others like me are having ethical things or integrity nuances come up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. I am. Um, Nanda Devi says, feel the emotion. Feel the emotion doesn't have to mean act out the emotion. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can feel pain. You can feel anger. Um, you don't have to lash out like the scorpion or cr to crush and destroy or something like that. Uh, I've had situations in the past where I had a lot, some people in my life that were causing a lot of anxiety, anger, and challenges for me. And I was in a circumstance where I didn't have, I could not engage with them emotionally, or it would have increased the conflict rather than reduced it. And that can be very difficult to deal with. Um, if you're dealing with someone who has specifically some specific uh, mental health challenges, there are a few conditions out there where if you engage with p folks who have those conditions, it's just a no-win, a no-win situation. And maintaining your integrity in those situations is very important. But on the flip side of that, what do you do with all that energy that comes up? And that's that's one thing to consider at this eclipse too, is what do we do with anger, resentment, uh, disappointment? Um, I think that one of the main things I've learned is 
be creative with it. Um, redirect it into a, a, a creative endeavor. There is an Orphic hymn to Mars that, that speaks directly to asking Mars to turn the weapons of war into, into plowshares, which are, weapons of, or which are tools of the field to, to be able to break up the soil and create future fertility. And I think that through like journaling, through you know, writing something out to, to get that emotion out of you and expressed, even if you don't necessarily have to like show it to the person that's creating that energy for you, Sometimes even that can be super healthy. I do something called morning pages every morning. It's part of my routine. Uh, it used to be I wrote three pages every morning, you know, no exceptions, where I just was like brain dump. And I just was talking about the good things and the things that were bothering me, all of it. I have, I have time now to do about one page, but it's, it's still helpful to get the things out of my head and onto the page so that it's not just kicking around in my emotional body all day long. Um, and I had other artist friends that tell me, you put the drama into your art, you keep it out of your life. So, so creating something with that, like when I wrote songs, a lot of them were about sad things. And that was something that helped me to do cathartic energy. Even just performing other people's songs that were sad um, helped get that feeling out of me. And uh, I, I, have, I will admit, I missed that a little bit. I missed that cathartic energy. I, I'm putting a lot of that same energy into my garden. And, and I think that part of my Mars and Cancer experience has been literally using tools to cut things up in my home environment, like, like a chainsaw to cut up dead wood, uh, to, to create space for growth. You see what I'm saying? Um, I, have, I bought these loppers that are like cutting up all sorts of fallen tree branches and things like that. So Mars in Scorpio, or even in Cancer here, you're creating space for future growth. And you can think of it that way, and it can, you can find healthy outlets for that energy. Um, Kate says, I'm having challenges with the biological mother and also things of my own upbringing come up. Well, Kate, if you joined us late, we, we did a pretty deep dive on um, the story of Leto in the beginning of the broadcast today. And I think you might find some really helpful stuff with that as far as generational trauma is concerned and working with those some of those challenging relationships but but hang in there friend uh yeah it says if i'm if it's a if i'm healing a childhood wounds through these boys while having my feet to the fire on ethical responsibility for them um yeah we again we have we always get tested when we have uh trauma in our background as to whether we're going to repeat that or whether we're going to make a different choice. And it really, and we don't always make the right choice. And, and we have to learn from that as well. But there, there are always opportunities for learning and for making a different choice than our, our parents did or, or anybody in our life that caused us grief. Uh, Prudence says, I've done peer support for people with personality disorders. And the easiest thing for me when being attacked is to step back and remember how I would want to show up compassionately for a small child. That's good advice, Prudence. I've had some uh, interactions with people that have personality disorders, and it is very, very um, emotionally taxing. Uh, and you do have to really uh, watch your integrity because it, it is a big test. And um, yeah, it's a. I feel for you who have people in your life who have some of those challenges. I definitely. Uh, feel you with like having compassion for those folks too, because a lot of times it's very difficult for people with those conditions to understand the ramifications of their actions. 
What I will say is this, you can have compassion for someone who has mental health challenges without allowing yourself to be continually abused. And that's the biggest challenge that you have when you, when you interact with folks like that is how can you still have compassion and, and resist the urge to return the behavior that you're receiving while also saying, this is my boundary and you are not going to overstep that. Um, in, in my experience, I had to set very intense boundaries and be very consistent with them because when you deal with people that are, you know, have that type of um, challenge, when you give an inch, they will take 10 miles, 100 miles, 1,000 miles. So you have to be very consistent about your boundaries. So anybody going through that with a family member, parent, sibling, child, whatever, uh, other relationship, just show up for yourself in that relationship with a healthy boundary. Um, and it's, it takes practice. You may, you may uh, not always know how to set a boundary if you had grew up in an environment where your boundaries were violated repeatedly. But if you practice it one day at a time, even if you get a negative response from the person that you are setting that boundary with, that's where you have to stay strong. That's where you have to say, this is me practicing this and I'm not going to cave to this or I'm going to be, you know, sanctioning that behavior in the future. Um, and, and what I would do is rely on the relationships you know you can trust when you are in that situation. Um, if, you, if you know that you've had to set a boundary with someone who constantly violates them, get the reality check with the other people in your life that you trust. In, in my interactions with people with personality disorders, I constantly had to check in on my own reality with other people I trusted because people with those challenges can distort your reality very easily. So it's important to check in with friends, family that you trust and rely on those so sources of support as well. Uh, yes. There's a, there is a forum out of the fog for personality disorder relationship support. That's cool. I will look into that because um, I, I have some folks in my life and, and I, I am still dealing with some of that, those challenges myself and trying to help people through that relationship as well. Uh, super important to have super personal, strong boundaries. Yes. Um, okay. These are, this is all really good advice, Prudence. So Prudence has got some resources for people. Uh, DBT, interpersonal effectiveness. Yes. Thank you, Prudence, for sharing those resources. Okay, let's move forward to Scorpio rising, uh, another of our angular eclipses. And let's, let's just take a stretch break as, a, as we look at Scorpio rising, because I need to stretch my legs out a little bit here. So I hope that you're doing well out there. I know we're talking about some intense stuff, but it's eclipse season. Um, astrology doesn't really pull punches when, when it uh, shows us and uh, um, holds up a mirror to our realities. So it's going to show us some really good stuff in our lives. It's going to show us some really challenging things. And honestly, that's part of the beauty of it is we don't always turn to astrology when things are going great. We turn to astrology to get some, some meaning uh, in our lives when, when the shit hits the fan, so to speak. And this is one of those eclipses where there might be a little bit of, um, you know, shit hitting the fan. 
And when we have a strategy before that happens, through our pronoia, through our foreknowledge that astrology provides, what that allows us to do is make a better choice in the moment because we have prepared ourselves emotionally, intellectually, spiritually for the challenge that is coming. And that is a, an amazing gift. So I hope that I'm arming you with the right tools and you know your community here is also providing amazing resources and tools for, for this upcoming eclipse. And this is why I love all of you so much is that you are so helpful to one another. And uh, let's continue to cultivate that that energy in this in this group and on this channel because the world needs more of it that's for sure more more community support more emotional support for one another we don't have to be these islands of of you know trauma crisis and things like that there there are solutions out there um so yeah and kate kate's mentioning that you know this thread could be a resource for you so yes come come back to it you know, I, I leave up the chat replays after the fact, and if there's things that you need in there, it'll be there for you. So let's talk about Scorpio rising. Well, Scorpio rising, this eclipse is about to hit you uh, pretty hard. Um, you're going to have the moon in your first house in Scorpio, the sun, Mercury retrograde, the north node, Uranus, all in the seventh house of relationships. You know, Pluto's hanging out in your fourth. You got fifth house Saturn asking you to create some boundaries and maybe some endings when it comes to like children, bad habits, things of that nature. Mars, your chart ruler, is in the ninth house, you know, shaking up your belief system, uh, maybe even shaking up your relationship to your spirituality. Um any maybe spiritual group that you're a part of, something like that. There's conflict over spirituality. I'm just laughing because I have a situation in my life where this chart really reflects this. I have a, some Scorpio risings in my life where this is uh, very ironic. There's a conflict over a, a spiritual event that is arising. So for Scorpio rising, You know, you may have to reduce your personal involvement with something. Uh, Scorpio's risings tend to want to deeply emerge or in, in interweave their emotional lives with others, depending on other factors in your chart, of course. Okay. So there may be a situation where you're just, you might have to reduce the amount of interdependent relationships so that maybe someone else in your life can have some independence. Um, with the sun and the seventh house, you know, you're going to attract people in your life who really are trying to, uh, you may seek peace through another. The, the irony of that is that, you know, other people shouldn't have to be our source of peace and uh, on some level, it, it, especially our intimate relationships. Yes, they can be uh, a source of sanctuary at various times. But I'm of the opinion, and this is, take this for what, what you will, this is coming from a Taurus moon, that one plus one equals two. Half plus half does not necessarily 
equal a healthy one in in this case. Um, so I think for Scorpio rising, working on your own ability to to be uh, peaceful, to reduce the crisis consciousness can lead to much more peaceful relationships. Every single situation does not have to be a crisis. And this is hard because when we have Scorpio on any of our angles, they're, they're, you know, crisis is a, is a prominent part of our lives, whether it's through the family, whether it's through our own ability to like either be a good crisis responder or if we're stirring up drama, right? Um, and I think that you may be reevaluating your relationships on some level and how, how intermeshed that they are. And again, there may be some, some boundaries that have to happen between either you and your children, you and your creative partners, um, how you seek pleasure in life, maybe coming up for reevaluation. Uh, Scorpio risings, a lot of Scorpio risings have str struggled with addiction in their life. And this may be another time period where you're having to kind of say, is this relationship, habit, uh, substance, is this really healthy for me? And how do I, you know, mature in my relationship to this person, this thing, this relationship, um, and let go of the need to either control or manipulate that situation, which is the negative parts of Scorpio. Now, on the, on the flip side, Scorpio risings are, are really good at uh, rebirthing themselves, okay? So if you, if you are feeling like you're, you are uh, fighting to protect something that is dying with every inch of your being, which is a Scorpio tendency, try to get in touch with your real faith, like with your ability to see that when you re release yourself from form, you are liberated to transform and to alchemize your energy into a new form. Scorpio risings always have to go through multiple generations in their life, multiple metamorphoses. And once they accept that rather than fight it, their lives start to really open up and blossom. And I, I think that that's something that is really important is to, to open up to the transformative process, allow yourself to, to be the caterpillar that's melting into the cocoon so that you can reorganize your cells to become a beautiful butterfly and to, to take flight once again. Because when you stay stuck in the old form, that's when all sorts of the challenges come. That's when the, the, the third card in Scorpio is called debauchery. And it's because of the hanging on and the unwillingness to face the fact that whatever form is coming to you is, is not providing you with life-giving vitality. In fact, it might be taking it away. Um, so there might be a, a really uh, nostalgic feeling for Scorpio Risings as well. And uh, this could be something where you're just feeling uh, a lot of painful memories and you may be wanting to revisit something, but again, the, like as Kate pointed out, the, the Venus-Neptune square may be creating a, a little bit of an unrealistic expectation around how that goes. So try to, try to maybe reduce your expectations around a situation 
just because something didn't turn out exactly how you wanted it to doesn't mean that there can't be future things that you can create that can be healthy. And sometimes reducing our involvement in either someone else's life or a relationship can actually lead to better outcomes. And the time that you do spend together can be of higher quality. So, all right. And Michelle's taking off. Sorry, I didn't get to, quite to Capricorn Rising for you, Michelle, but hopefully we'll catch you on the replay. Um, let's go to Sag Rising. Go to the Sag Rising chart, Sagittarius Rising. Okay, Sagittarius Rising. 12th house uh, moon, 6th house sun. So we are also seeing Mars in the 8th. And Saturn is hanging out in your 4th house. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you, Nancy, for the super sticker. I appreciate you. So Sagittarius rising... <laughs> Mm. This is a time period where you're probably working pretty darn hard. And there's a lot of responsibilities that you have that you're not probably feeling like you're getting a lot of credit for. You may also be aware of some health challenges or some misfortunes that you're experiencing that are related to the body. Maybe an injury, maybe an illness. Maybe you want to go explore but you're feeling tied to the responsibilities, particularly in your family with Saturn in the fourth house. And the moon is asking you to reduce the, maybe the tendency to want to run away. I think that on this, on this, in this particular case, uh, you may be desiring some solitude pretty intensely, you, you may be feeling like, oh God, I've got all this weight on my shoulders. And that's, again, that is the secret signification of Sagittarius that we don't talk about a lot. If you, if you aren't familiar with the Deccans is that Sagittarius carries burdens, I, I feel. Um, sometimes they want to escape those burdens, but many of you Sagittarian friends are carrying the weight of the world, trying to get to the finish line. And that's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility um, and there's also a desire to want to go exploring and saying, okay, I'm getting restless. There's a restlessness to this sign. Um, but it's a restlessness to get somewhere, to get to the ending. And in this case, this is saying, okay, maybe reducing your dependence on wanting to escape. Maybe there is hard work that you need to do right now, and you need to just lean into that, okay? You need to lean into the hard work. There could be some conflict over shared resources with Mars in the eighth house. Uh, could be through inheritances. It could be through, if I'm just looking at this chart, one possibility, one, one possible outcome is that since Saturn's in the fourth house, a death in the family could be leading to a conflict over an inheritance. That could be a Sagittarius uh, manifestation or Sag rising. Um, but I think it is important to balance your uh, grinded out energy with your your desire for rest and es escaping okay because 12th house pulls us away from our personal empowerment and there may be some habits that you have about uh wanting to escape that that need to be reduced in this particular eclipse um be i guess what i'm asking you sad rising is to be more present 
for the responsibilities that are, you have in your life and recognize that this is, this is not a permanent situation necessarily. Like if you have momentary responsibilities, you can work on the goal that's most important to you and then move forward uh, at, you know, when the time is right to move on to another goal. Um, but if you're constantly trying to be in motion all the time, you aren't going to be able to be present for the, the gifts that you can find from learning how to be a little bit more rooted. Okay, um, th That's really part of this is how can you put some roots down and have some foundations with Saturn moving through the fourth house. There's, again, one of the things I've learned as someone who was pretty restless as a young person is that freedom is not leaving a situation. Freedom is a, is a, is a mental construct. And sometimes the boundaries and limitations in our life actually can create more freedom in our lives. Okay, so so committing to the to the um, responsibilities that we have actually can liberate us. So that's something to consider. Sagittarius rising. Uh, Mud Lady Pottery is here. Hello, friend. Maggie. Oh, hey, Maggie. How you doing? I'm glad to be able to make it, even if I'm super late. Yeah, nice to see you, uh, Maggie. Thanks for joining us here today. You'll have to go back to the replay, get that um, get that Leo rising. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, Don says, all of the above. I feel like it's time to release the family karma. Yes, absolutely. That's really what I think this eclipse is about, is just releasing old family traumas, you know, learning that we don't have to perpetuate it, and we don't have to continue on with the old toxic cycles. Um, and we're all playing different roles in those stories. Okay, Capricorn rising. So Capricorn rising, we've got a fifth house, 11th house um, eclipse. We have Mars in the seventh and Saturn in the third. So there might be a relationship conflict happening for you cap risings or your partner may be really intensely trying to uh, put in a new pollinator habitat and <laughs> injuring themselves i'm just laughing because my partner is cap rising so um there could be a, a domestic situation that you know that comes through you through partnership uh, or through a relationship with the public that's another seventh house signification there could be some challenges uh, finding completion on something and thank you so much, Don, Don, for your super sticker today. I appreciate your, your generosity. Uh, and there may be a culmination in, with a group that you're a part of, where you may have to reduce your involvement in a, in a group that you have a shared belief system with. Uh, you may have to reduce the way that you either uh, are intermeshed with the people in public uh, or people that you uh, are either studying with or something of that nature. And, and that will help lead to more personal creativity. That can help lead you to uh, feeling more empowered to create in a situation where you have more uh, agency or say over what is happening moving forward creatively, potentially. Uh, th there is some reevaluation about maybe your seeking of pleasure with the fifth house retrograde of Mercury and how you utilize your resources and what what really does bring you joy what how do you spend your money like how do you where do your resources need to to be distributed and which would 
how do you balance out your your responsibilities for the things that you don't necessarily want to do but have to do and the things that you would like to do just for your own sake now you know mars is angular in this chart so that there's a feeling that, that could come up that's intense with martial energy there maybe there's a conflict that comes up around this eclipse where you are going to have to figure out what is what is uh in the best interest of the collective and what is in your own best interest. And with Saturn moving through your third house, there is a, a reevaluation of your communication style, but also your daily habits and routines as well. How do you find meaning within those daily habits and routines? But Venus is about to move into your seventh house, so that's part of the good news there also. And just going back in time, I didn't really tell you some of the good news for the Venus moving into the eighth house for Sagittarius. Maybe there is something good coming through a partner uh, on some level. And then, I don't know if I did this for the other one either, but, oh well. <laughs> like, just recognize if I didn't say something about Venus moving into Cancer, just check out the Cancer house where you've been having a conflict, and Venus is going to be trying to help smooth things over uh, in that house for you very shortly after this eclipse. Okay, whoops. Oh no, I lost it. Let's go back. There we go. Let's go to Aquarius. Aquarius. Where is Aquarius? Where did you go, Aquaria? Let's see, there is Aquarius. So Aquarius rising. With Aquarius rising, the eclipse is angular. So this is our last angular rising sign for this eclipse. Um, here is the moon in the 10th house and Mars providing fuel for the eclipse from the 6th house. Now Mars is in its joy in the 6th house, which that sounds like Mars would be like super happy there. And I guess on some level, Mars is happy, but it doesn't always mean that it's good fortune. Um, sometimes when Mars is in its joy, it, it joys in creating injuries and illnesses and conflicts. So uh, same thing with Saturn, which joys in creating isolation, and separation, and solitude in the 12th house. So Mars in the 6th house could be a domestic situation, or something specifically with your body or your chest area. There could be an injury or an illness related to that. Uh, Aquarius rising that could be providing some challenges to like your work routines. Um, you're probably focusing on how you uh, act in your domestic situation, um, how you can create growth in your home life and with your family, and something may be coming to a head with your, your work life where you're feeling like you're, you're having a, a, maybe an emotional intermeshed relationship in your public life, maybe with a boss or a coworker or in the workplace. And this is a good time to set some healthy boundaries in your workplace relationships as well so that you can start to create some fertility in your home life. Because part of the challenge that may be happening uh, with Mars in the sixth house is that an unhealthy work work-home balance can lead to some injuries and some illnesses potentially. So allowing yourself to have that rest and to have the, the uh, to cultivate personal relationships is important. 
oftentimes Aquarius rising is always thinking about the collective and always thinking about, you know, the, 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 the social issues that come up and they feel overwhelmed by all the stuff that, that they might want to do publicly as far as joining in with groups and joining in in social causes and helping to change the world. And that is commendable and that is part of your role. But at the same time, you need a, a healthy foundation to work from to come back to you every once in a while to come back down to earth rather than with your head in the in the clouds um and i think that this is an eclipse that will show you some of those those challenges and hopefully you know shortly after this venus moves into your six so if you do have a, a health challenge right now aquarius rising venus is coming to to, to start to help out a little bit um and we will for those of you who are wondering, we will talk about the T-square between Jupiter, Mars, and Pluto as we move forward. You can see more, uh, more engagement that I did with that in the astrology of May, um, and maybe I'll do a live stream specifically for that T-square in the, in the future, um, but I'll, I'll unpack it. Okay, let's go and finish this off with Pisces rising. All right, Pisces rising. You always get kind of short in the stick. Maybe one day I'll I'll start with you, and you can get all my the full force of my my energy <laughs> instead of the end of it. But you're probably used to this by now, I'm sure. So Pisces rising, you have the eclipse happening over your third and ninth house axis. Mars is in the fifth house, and Saturn is in your first. So this is something where you're focusing on your daily habits, your daily routines. There could be something coming to light or being reviewed with your extended family, siblings, uncles, otherwise. Um, and there could be something coming to light about your daily habits and routines that cause you to release some old belief systems. Okay, maybe there's an issue with a sibling or something that causes you to completely change the way that you're interacting in an orthodox belief system. There could also be some, some separations from a child or something of that nature, or maybe some estrangement with that that could be painful, that could lead you to reevaluating how intermeshed you are and what that means to you. Uh, Saturn in your first house is saying, you know what, this is a this is a time for me to, to mature. Um, this is a time where I might feel a little bit more limited, where I can't just go off into my imagination because there's consequences to that. Saturn equals consequences. Some of your dreams are probably shown, being shown that they're unrealistic, whereas other ones are concretizing into reality. Um, so this is a great time to evaluate how you communicate with others with Mercury retrograding in your third house. And maybe just re releasing the need also to um, to escape. I think that Pisces and Sag Risings share this in common. I think both of them like to travel, whether it is in their mind or whether it is physically. And sometimes I think both of you Jupiter-ruled signs right now are being asked to um, to maybe not leave situations that are uh, requiring you to be responsible. Um, all mutable signs sometimes have challenges with this, uh, wanting to just leave, leave something. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't even want to deal with it, right? 
and not not a not just the mutable signs. There are other signs that do this, but mutable signs in particular. And sometimes there is uh, less opportunity to do that. And this is probably one of those times for Pisces rising, which is okay. You know, again, the plus sides of Saturn is if you stick with something um, and you show up each day, some of the most beautiful dreams that you have in your imagination can be brought into the real world, can be concretized into reality. Imagine Saturn or Kronos with a, with a scythe, and he's cutting away the old dreams that, that don't serve you anymore. But he is also an agricultural god that is sowing and planting and bringing things real. He's eliminating the other things that are unrealistic to make something real that is important to you. It is really a, a reflection of your deepest desires. So that is what I have for the eclipse through the signs, or through the rising signs, so to speak. Robert is here. Hello, Robert. Nice to see you. Uh, okay. I'm going to finish our experience today under three hours. Interesting, huh? I got football to, to obsess over. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. <laughs> but, um, hopefully, we've unpacked some important themes for you as far as I think the main takeaways are uh, intermeshed relationships, releasing old family traumas, releasing our attachments to be able to find new sources of independence, and to balance out our, our uh, crisis responses with, with finding inner peace and maybe releasing the need to create crisis around us or get involved in crises. Um, so the hexagram that I have for you is number 32. And thank you, Kate, for your, your compliment. 32 says, enduring, constancy, long-lasting, perseverance, what I think is ironic in the I Ching about hexagram number 32 is that one of the authors in particular talks about the, fu the fundamental nature of enduring comes through change and adaptability. So uh, they talk about that things that truly endure are changeable. I'm thinking of an artist, a timeless artist like David Bowie or something like that, um, who change with the times and there was a new version of themselves uh, that, that kept them relevant rather than a dinosaur act, right? So how do we stay relevant through change? You know, Scorpio is a achemical change sign. And it's changing to hexagram number 18, which is uh, reflected in remedying, working on what is being spoiled, repair, decay, and restoration. Uh, creating better daily habits, uh, reflecting on why this situation started to decay. How did it come to this? Um, and what do we need to do? How can we be honest about our situation so that we can start to make the changes that we need to make? And there's two changing lines. First changing line is line number four. It says, no game in the field. Okay. So this says that we may be chasing after something. This, I'm glad you came in the middle of this, Kate, because I I didn't focus as much on the, the Venus aspect of this with the, tr the square to Neptune, but this is why we do this as a community, right? I'm, I, I try to be as detailed as I can, but I'll even miss a few things every once in a while. 
I think this is the Venus Neptune part of it. Chasing after something that's either unhealthy or unrealistic. And um, it doesn't matter how hard you work sometimes. There are things in life where if you try to pursue it, it just isn't going to work. I think this, there's a situation here where no matter what you do, you may have to release some attachment to it. Um, I think that that's a hard thing to accept for fixed signs in particular. That's why this is so hard for the fixed signs when we have these big changes is that a lot of times what fixed signs will do is they will say, if I only just dig in my position more, if I get more entrenched in this emotional, physical, spiritual, or intellectual position, that I'll just grind my way through it. And I think that this is a time where it says it's probably not um, helpful to do that. Um, so reevaluate your chosen direction and your chosen position and the methods around this period of time to be able to begin the repair process. Um, Kate says, someone recently said, it's not about winning, but out, outlasting instead. Yeah, <laughs> perseverance. It's a, perseverance is a, is a, um, it's a fixed sign uh, quality, right? Line number six says, persistently agitated and restless misfortune. This to me really reflects the crisis consciousness of Scorpio and a Scorpio moon. So if we constantly engage in behavior that is causing anxiety and distress, like if we're paranoid, if we're constantly stirring and shaking things up, especially in, in time frame, like it's Taurus sun period, this is a time to like go outside, smell some fucking flowers, eat some wonderful food, get your hands in the dirt, go for a walk, relax. <laughs> like that's, this, is, this is Taurus moon, Spencer saying, just, just chill out. <laughs> like just it, have a snack, take a nap, take a bath, go appreciate some of the beauty out there. Not everything has to be so intense. That, that, that to me is like what this line is saying. So if you live in a constant state of anxiety or take on too much, just calm down. Release crisis consciousness. Find the inner peace necessary to do Taurus season right. Through balance, calmness, and awareness, center yourself. That's gonna, when you become centered, that will lead to better choices within a crisis situation. Oftentimes, when I'm faced with an intense emotional experience, I don't engage with it right away. And I've been criticized for that in the past by various people who are trying to drum up crises with me. Um, I have to take a time out. I have to feel my feelings about it. I have to think about it. And I have to center myself because if I respond in kind to someone who's trying to poke me with the scorpion tail, I will not respond with my highest and best self because I won't be responding from a place of peace and centeredness. And by taking some time and creating some space between you and the issue, you can come back to it with grace. And I think that's really important as we move forward here because we don't always have to deal with everything right away or fix everything right away. This is the remedying part of this. I said earlier in the broadcast that sometimes a, a pattern whether it is a family pattern, an emotional pattern, a coping mechanism, if it's, if it's born in trauma and crisis, it wasn't created overnight. And you can't unravel it overnight either. It comes through, through showing up consistently, 
practicing the new habit, uh, instead of saying, I'm going to release this habit, I want you to focus on what is what is the new habit that you want to create. Because I always think that when you fill the space, you can crowd out the bad habit. Instead of feeling like you're losing something that's important to you, like add something in that is healthy. So like if you're struggling with, um, you know, I don't know, maybe eating unhealthily, start adding in something healthy that will, you won't even be hungry for that other thing eventually. Your palate's going to completely change. You know, if you're, if you, if you're addicted to creating drama in your relationships, add in a relationship that is peaceful, where you could say, oh, this, this friend makes me feel really centered and good. There's, there's so many less expectations. Start spending time with them. And the, the person that you spend time with that is always creating conflict, you're going to, it's going to leave your life, <laughs> you know? So I, I think adding what it is that you, you want to create is important, okay? So the animal I got for you was the goldfish which translates to transformation, growth. It's actually a symbol of good fortune, which I was, I was surprised to see the goldfish here. And, and I was happy to see it. Goldfish just goes with the flow. It just swims very gently. It's, it's about the power of silence. It's about adapting to the currents of your life, being like water, being in your, feeling your feelings without having your feelings overwhelm you. A fish is not overwhelmed in water. It is it, it, it takes oxygen from that water. It, it is a part of it, you know. A goldfish also doesn't have a stomach, um, which I found interesting in my research. So watch your diet. Uh, eat things that are easily digestible, metaphorically and physically. Uh, find your calmness and your serenity. Lighten up. Release that fight or flight experience. When you see a goldfish swimming around in a pond, that's really zen, right? It's really peaceful. They're not just like always in fight or flight mode. I mean, yes, if there's a predator, but it's not often, right? Um, so watch what you take in emotionally, physically, and uh, feed yourself the right things in this eclipse. And I think you'll have a good experience. Okay, friends, that's what I've got for today. This has been such an amazing interaction with all of you. A fairly efficient uh, podcast today, coming in uh, around the two-hour, oh, geez, slightly under three hours. <laughs> but it's, it's for me, it's, it's pretty efficient, I guess. Um, yeah, Dimphy is talking about the difference between reacting and responding. Yes, exactly. Uh, and thank you, A, for your nice comments here. And thank you, all of you, for the super chats, the super sticker. Before we go today, do me a huge favor. Please like the button. Uh, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, turn on the notification bell to know when we're going live again. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter so that you know uh, when we're doing classes, when we're doing sales, when we're doing the live streams, and potentially the song of the week. I think I'm going to start putting some music stuff in there. People have been uh, digging some of my musical selections on Instagram. So I'll, I think I'll make it a little bit more visible. And uh, just be gentle with yourself over this time. It, things are in flux. Try not to get too attached to any one particular outcome. Go with the flow and be gentle with yourself and particularly with others. If you're feeling your emotions, getting your ire getting up, just take a time out and retreat into nature. Get into that garden, go for a walk, Play with your dog or your cat or your pets or, you know, 
anything like that. And um, it'll work out. This too shall pass. All right, friends. That's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the rest of football Christmas if that's what you're into. I know I will. And I will see you the next time, friends. Uh, again, keep keep an eye out for the newsletter for one that's going to be. I, I, I might take the week off next week um, with the eclipse happening. And um, we'll see. So I'll see you the next time, friends. Peace.